Internet, what is up? Happy Monday. And uh, as promised, here we are with a listener of the podcast. She started out as a listener of and a fan from my cleared hot days with Andy. And she thats she was one of the first humans after my very first podcast with Andy who reached out and connected and was like, that was a fucking awesome podcast. You're awesome. And then we've just stayed in contact and been like good, amazing Instagram friends. And they live just a hop, skip, and a jump down the road from me. And we have had some good times via the gram. It's one of the things that I do like about social media is when you use it for the positive aspects that it's used for, like connecting with good human beings and um, establishing good friendships via the social interwebs. But I'm not a fan of the constant polarization, the constant subliminal messaging, the constant data mining, people slamming political shit cupcakes in people's faces. Like I just, there's so many negative things that are terrible about social media that I just try to, I try to ignore those aspects and like not fall into the trap of those and use social media what it's for what it's intended to do, which is connect with people. So uh, not to buy products and not to listen to your political opinions um, or be politically brainwashed by craziness. So I just, I try to <laughs> limit the constant negativity blasting and just use social media as a tool for good in my life. So I was happy to connect with these fine humans. And so this is my friend, Danielle, and she is a, she works in the medical field and she's a PA and specializes in women's health and uh, also a um, master's level mental health human. So we have a really great time on the podcast and some great conversation and go down a bunch of rabbit holes. So it's a good time. I hope you guys love it as much as I loved recording it. So Let's get after it. I know things are getting tougher when you can't get the top of the bottom of the barrel. Why don't men roar my future now? Look at fucking now. I'm still trying to master the science of yeah. the equalizer. I'm yeah. a, I'm, this is what I have Kato for. Eventually, <laughs> we'll get to a point where like we'll have a studio. People will come see us. Yeah. We'll have a nice Airbnb attached to it. It'll be south of Jackson. Everybody will come and stay in the Airbnb and then hit the studio and it'll be awesome. Then they can go, if it's wintertime, they can go skiing mm -hmm. or if it's summer, they can go hiking in Teton National Park. And Tetons are like one of my favorite places. Yeah. They're absolutely amazing. I love amazing. the Tetons. Okay. So Anyways. Instagram people. Uh, so you guys were once upon a time when I first started doing stuff on the Cleared Hot podcast, mm -hmm. you guys reached out almost immediately. I think it was like after my first, it mm -hmm. might've been my second episode. Maybe it was my first. And you guys were like, oh yeah, hi, you sounded great. It was super awesome. And then I was like, oh, this is cool. Like I've got neat people that are yeah. engaging with me now. So it was cool. So I've always remembered that. And then we've always, and then we've just established a good, I would say, good relationship via Instagram on passing jokes and memes and stuff back and forth. And so the whole joke about the period blood thing <laughs> is because of your background and because of what you do and what you specialize in, which we're going to dive into. The reason I made a joke out of it is because of what you do. I'm constantly going through my feed and you're kind of the only person in your field that's in my feed that I follow. And so like, <laughs> I'll be scrolling by and it'll be like, you know, gun, meme, <laughs> funny tactical story, funny political meme. And then it'll be like a post on period blood <laughs> and what color it should be. And I'm like, oh, wow, we're, we're doing period blood again. So <laughs> it's, it's like, it was like, I feel like it was like a weekly thing for a long time. And I don't know if you were like doing a special edition, like talk about 
the proper color of period blood every week, but it, 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 I feel like it popped up in my feed several times over the course of a month. So that's why I made a joke about it. And I think I even said something about, it. I posted something on your wall where I was like, Oh, we're going to talk about period blood again. huh? <laughs> oh, big surprise. We're talking about period blood again. Okay. So here we are. Yeah, here we are. So go ahead and like dive into your like backup. Give us yeah, like backup. Yeah. Give let's us tell people who I am. Yes. So introduce yourself and then we'll start yeah. at your senior year in high school and, and then we'll go to present day. I mean, is that really where you want to go? Yes. <laughs> absolutely. High okay. Yeah, we yeah. can do that. Yeah. Um, my name is Danielle Kepix. Um, I am a physician assistant. I'm inches away from getting my fertility education certification. So I'm super into women's health and educating women about the importance of their hormones as opposed to just for reproductive purposes. So for your health, not just to create human life. I'm also a master's level trained therapist. Uh, I'm an outdoors enthusiast. I love my dogs. Um, I just like doing cool shit. So nice. here we are. And we connected because yeah. of the things you were saying originally about COVID and masking. And I'm mm-hmm. like, hey, I'm a PA and I agree with all the fucking crap you're saying. So yeah. <laughs> I yeah. think your jaw probably like dropped behind you. Like, oh, there are like people in the medical community who are like, yeah, fuck this crap. Yeah, it was a little shocking to me because you were the first person to like reach out and say something that is, you know, from the medical, you know, for, that has a extensive medical background and, and did reach out. And I was a little bit taken aback because I thought that was, that comment I thought was going to meet some massive adversity. And I thought people were going to fuck me down to death. And I was just like, I don't care because this is how I feel. And I think realistically, like as time has moved forward, I feel like this is kind of now where a lot of Americans that are a little bit disenfranchised and they don't know who, what to believe because this has been politicized so heavily. And mm-hmm. I feel like you know, from the very beginning, I said this since like day one after the lockdown ended, which was, I don't feel like the data supports the hysteria that's going on. Like we were just mentioning just a few minutes ago before we got on here, we're not at a 30% mortality rate with this. Like we're, it isn't the zombie apocalypse and you don't have 18 to 21 year olds bleeding from the eyes and ass and keeling over dead in the street. So why is everybody so freaked out that over something that, and I mean, you probably have better visibility on the numbers, but just the numbers that I've been looking at, like it doesn't, and it's hard to get, I feel an accurate idea of mortality because of all of the subterfuge that's happened with federal funding, getting pumped into hospitals for COVID related deaths. And, and, you know, there may be still people out there that don't realize that that's happening. Like money goes to hospitals to help subsidize them and keep them running for every COVID death. And so that's why you're seeing people that are like signing. And I've heard, I've you know, they're signing death certificates. People come in and they die of gunshot wounds, but they test them post-mortem and they're like, oh, well, they were COVID positive. And some of that is probably bullshit and some of that is probably true, but the hospitals get a, cut, a ch- huge check cut from the federal government for that. So I feel like because money got involved, we don't even know what the accurate mortality rate well, actually is. I agree with that. And I, I have not, I, so I work in family practice, so I don't work in a hospital, like in a hospital setting. I don't work in an inpatient unit. I don't, you know, work in the emergency department, like all these people who are seeing like the really bad shit, right? Right. Like I work in an outpatient setting. I see people who have recovered. I see people who have done well, et cetera, et cetera. I did spend a month in the hospital last year because I volunteered to redeploy at my hospital system to help out because of the COVID surges. And, you know, I, I, I worked on the observation unit, so I didn't work directly 
with a lot of COVID patients. I had a couple who ended up on my on my patient care list, but so I can't I can't speak to that directly. I have heard both of those things, though. I have heard that you know those things are happening, that the government is is reimbursing and people are signing death certificates, and how are people truly dying? And I agree with that statement 110. percent Like people aren't like walking around bleeding from their eyes and ass. Like that's a really good way to put it. Because, but what it is is it's a problem of we're not looking at the statistics. This has not been evidence-based since day one. Right. You know, we are not following the science. And of course, at first I was, you know, in the same boat where I was like, okay, like what's kind of going on here? Like what's happening? Like I think Greg Anderson said on his podcast, like he shut his jujitsu gym down because he was like, I don't even know what this is. Like we need to kind of figure out what's going on here. And I was in the same boat, but then they started mandating things and everybody, you know, and a lot of people in my social circle were like, oh, well, it's just a mask. And I'm like, no, it's not just a mask because it's not, it's just a mask is going to become, you just need to do this. You just need to stay in your house. You just need to shut down your, down your business. You just need to take this vaccine. This is mandated now. And for people out there who aren't paying attention, like if you don't know what's happening in Australia right now, you need to go pay attention. Oh, for sure. Because that's some fucked up shit. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I love how people in the past have always used Australia as this like, you know, the anti-gun crowd has always used Australia as this like bastion of like their perfect example of what a society could be if they, you know, if we disarmed everyone and like, and the simple fact of the matter is, is like none of what is going on there now, none of what is escalated and what is going on there now would be happening if their population was still armed. It was still, is still armed because, and for those of you that don't know that haven't been tracking this, like there's terrible shit happening in Australia where like there's videos on the internet of like kids getting drug away to be forcibly vaccinated at vaccination camps. Like people are getting arrested for being out in the, like I watched teenagers be arrested for being out in the park playing frisbee, completely socially distanced in the sunshine, outside in the fresh air. The level of psychosis that the Australian government has taken things to is is abhorrent and it I mean it's borderline. I, I would say if this kind of shit was happening here, we'd be we'd be trading bullets by now. Like if people were oh, coming yeah. and arresting my pregnant wife because she posted something on her Facebook page that they considered incitement, which happened. It's a mm-hmm. video. You Google it. It's on it's on YouTube. Um, unless they censored it. The uh, but there the police actually came to a woman's house and arrested her and this was early on this was like right after the lockdowns lifted here in summer I think it was summer of twenty I don't know we were locked down in the spring and then in summer of twenty memory serves correctly for like six or six weeks or so and then as soon as that lifted then chaos started erupting all over the world mm-hmm. but I, I watched some really horrific things in Australia and it now it's just continued to spiral out of control where. They've got mandatory contact tracing. And if they call you and you're not at your house or if they're tracking you and you're not at your house, like if they see you out of your little geofence bubble, they will ping you and be like, call you. And they'll be like, where are you at? What are you doing? Why aren't you at your house? And if you're not at your, if you don't go to your house within 15 minutes, they'll send police because they're tracing you on your cell phone. They'll send police to arrest you. And then there's fines uh, upwards of $3,000. If you're not doing exactly what they say, they, they, you have to have COVID passports to go to even leave your province. So the shit that's happening in Australia is it's a case in point example of like how cuckoo the government can get, excuse me, if you let them take that much power and have that much overreach. Yeah, I I agree. And and listen, I got into healthcare because I want to help people and I want to see people better themselves for the greater good of society. And I understand that clause that we need to balance public health with private private rights or private responsibilities, however however you want to phrase that. However, this like 
kind of like we were saying before, like this is not smallpox. This does not have a 30% death rate. People want to compare this to that. And I'm like, wait a second. Like I, I was following this girl on Instagram who posted like there's one in 500 people who die from COVID. And I, I messaged her and I said, you realize that's 0.2% of the population, right? I mean, crickets, I heard nothing back. But it's just to your point where like, this is not something that the gov- this is complete governmental overreach, in my opinion. And I am a very unpopular opinion in my age group, in my gender, in the profession that, I- that I'm in right now. I mean, just you talk like this and people look at you like you've got six heads. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I understand that this is a problem. I'm not over here with a complete tinfoil hat either that like people aren't dying or COVID doesn't exist or they're, you know, injecting chips into people with the vaccine. Like, listen, if you have a smartphone, like you're already being traced, sweetheart. Like the vaccine is not the problem here with that. Yeah. You know, and I think a large part of the problem, like I'm very big on health. Health is a responsibility. That is a very, very tightly held belief of mine. It is, it is not your right. It is your responsibility to take care of yourself. Also very unpopular opinion. And this is a disease of the weak. You're correct. It is. And no one's talking about that. And no one's talking about how people are dying with how many comorbidities that they have. We're really just concerned with people's vaccination status. And I'm not an anti-vaxxer. Let's be, let me put that out there very Neither clear. am I. Neither am I. I'm not. I was a fully vaccinated yeah. child, okay? Yeah. But... I mean, you're talking to a guy that's had 16 shots of anthrax, so... <laughs> So you're pretty much just poisoned at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Smallpox. Uh, I've had a smallpox vax. I've had 16. It was an eight-shot series, and then they lost my shot card, so I had to go back and get another eight shots before I deployed to Iraq the second time. Yeah. And then <laughs> Japanese encephalitis, all the hepatitis that you can imagine, like all the typhoid, all the things. Yeah. All the things. That I've, I've been jabbed and stabbed quite a bit. Um, so I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I believe, no. in, I believe in vaccinations and what they can do. Same. I just don't believe in what this vaccination can do, especially with the thing, with where this is drifting with, they rushed it out, didn't do any testing. It's not FDA approved. Then they're like, oh, well, guess what, guys? Now you need a booster. Oh, and guess what, guys? You still need to wear your mask. And oh, guess what, guys? You can still spread it if you get it, even if you're vaccinated. So in my mind, I'm like, what the fuck is the point? Why am I jeopardizing my health with potential, you know, uh, deadly side effects? Because there's people that have died from the, there's quite a few people that have died yes. from, the, from the vaccination. And so I'm like, okay, well, why am I going to risk my health on that when, the, when there's no reward there? Like, what, what sure. is the point? Like, and then the next thing that really bothers me is that you're starting to see this weird influx of numbers. And I keep hearing people are like, well, we're not at herd immunity yet. Well, fuck that. I think we've been at herd immunity. How for the fuck a- are we not there yet? Right. With all the people who have had it and all the people that they're saying are vaccinated, how are we not there yet? I don't understand that conversation. Like, right. And it's, it's because this thing keeps mutating and that's what viruses do. Yeah. It's going to be around. It's an, it's endemic. It's, it's not, there's not, we're never getting rid of this. It's going to be like the cold. It's going to be like the flu and it's going to continue to do Virus is going to virus, as some very smart people that have way more PhDs in it than I do have said um, that I've researched. So what I think is funny is about the numbers, though. If you look at some of the numbers, and I've seen stuff as high as people saying, well, people, there's 40, 76% of the country, supposedly, the highest numbers I've seen are vaccinated. Oh, wow. So 76% of us, and I don't know if I believe that shit, because I can't, I pulled that off of mainstream media. I've seen it, <laughs> I've seen it 48, basically at the low end, 48% to 76%. And I don't know if any of that's accurate because, like I said, I didn't I didn't drill yeah. down on it. I didn't really dig into it. It's just mainstream media numbers that I'm seeing. But if we're let's just let's be cuckoo for a second and just say, okay, we're seventy percent, seventy six percent vaccinated. And then I've seen numbers 
ranging from 23% to 46% of natural immunity. People that are naturally immune to it or people that have already had it and have antibodies Mm -hmm. fall in that category at 40% or 46%. So I'm like, how do we have 76? I mean, let's just keep the math easy because I eat crayons and I'm a retard. So let's just do (laughs) 70-40. That is 110%. Of people that either are either vaccinated or have natural immunity to it. So please explain to me how if we're at 110%, which I don't even know how those numbers make sense, we are not at herd immunity. This, these are the questions that I have. I mean, I have questions around natural immunity. No one's doing the studies on natural immunity. A big part of my issue with this in the vaccine is that the vaccine is the only conversation that we're having, right? Right. Like there's there, everything else has been lost. Like common sense is gone. Logic, like critical thinking has been gone. Like, let's look at the number, like the type of person that's getting, that's doing really poorly with COVID on average, right? So like, I understand that everything is a bell curve, right? So like there are outliers in things. And I understand there's going to be some like otherwise quote unquote healthy people who die. And that's unfortunate. And that happens. However, when I look at it as to like, what is my risk as a very healthy, like very, very healthy 37 year old who doesn't drink, who doesn't do drugs, who eats really healthy, exercises, spends time outside. You know, I see a therapist, like I do all the things, right? I see an acupuncturist, like what are my chances of getting this disease and dying from it? I don't see that as a very high percentage. No. So I think that another part of this conversation is that this virus discriminates against people who have comorbidities, against people who are overweight, and against people who are older because you just have a weaker immune system at that point. And that conversation is not something that's being held at large. It's just everybody needs to get the vaccine and shut up about it. And I have a problem when something becomes so myopic that we can't even have outside conversations or outside considerations about things. And that's my problem with it. Or when science is being subverted and polarized for political reasons. Yes. And I mean, and it has, you know, I mean, it was created under a Republican, you know, it was created under Trump and now it's being rolled out under Biden. So like, I think a lot of people want to say like, oh, people who are vaccinated are all Democrats and people who aren't are Republican. I'm like, no, like this is not, I don't think that that's the issue. No, I don't know what my you family have. is very conservative and I have several members of my family that have, are vaccinated. Mm-hmm. So it's not, it's not a political thing. It's a, I have a couple members of my family, like my grandmother and a couple other people in my family. Sorry, grandma. I, do- I totally just doxed you right now. I threw you <laughs> under the bus. She got vaccinated and, and she explained, she's like, look, cause there was people in my family that went crazy about it. Cause my family is split in half on it. And my family's all pretty much for the most part, all conservative. They lean to that conservative side of the house. So it's not a political thing in my family. It's a, it's a people, you know, it's, it's my family reading what they're reading in mainstream media and developing their own they're do, during what their, their version of critical thinking is in there, which I heavily disagree with some people in my family about certain things, but that's a different topic. <laughs> and they, you know, they've formed their own opinion. And so my grandma was like, look, I'm 86. I'm in a high risk category. And sure. if I'm being completely you know, frank about my grandmother, she's the, the most amazing, sweetest, kindest, amazing human. She's probably my favorite person in the family. But she loves her Coke and her Oreo cookies. And she's old enough to where I'm like, you're in the last chapter of life and you're going to die. And who, you know, if, if, if you want to go out enjoying yourself, eating Oreo cookies and drinking Coke, go for it. And she's not diabetic or anything, but she's fluffy. And uh, she is 86. And so she's like, I'm getting the vaccine and everybody can yeah. fuck straight off. <laughs> and so she did. And she just went and got her booster the other day. And I'm like, okay, well, I guess do your thing. Do your thing. And, and that's the thing that I have no problem with. I have no problem with people doing what they feel like they need to do for themselves. 100%. Like, because personal freedom is a thing. It's what our country is founded yes. on. 
And for anybody to infringe on people's personal freedoms, it's, it's just, it goes against the grain of everything that this country was founded on. And it goes against the fabric of our, our DNA as Americans, in my opinion. So, uh, you know, it's not what I vehemently disagree when I hear people be like, it's not about your freedom. It's about safety. Fuck that. I no. will take dangerous freedom all, all day, day. Long, all day long, all day, all day long. And, you know, I've had some people like I've had arguments and sometimes heated arguments with people about this topic. And I'm like, look, I've, I've seen what happens when Ba'athist extremists and Saddam's secret police uh, put mm-hmm. Shia Muslims in mass graves because they couldn't defend themselves. Like I rolled right by a mass grave, saw lots of bodies. I've seen what the Taliban can do in Afghanistan to unarmed people. If you, you know, look at Mexico and you see what's going on with the people of Mexico where they're constantly caught in between an armed cartel and an armed government and they're not allowed to have guns, they're constantly in a state of disadvantage and and victimized. And so freedom, personal freedoms, the right to bear arms, everything that our country is about and founded on, like now that we we have a complete government, governmental overreach and people are like mandating that you do certain things. I mean, my mom just quit the hospital. Uh, She worked at the hospital. She started out as a CNA, worked on the terminally ill floor for a number of years. Then she took a break for a while to get my brother, my younger brother through high school because he was an absolute maniac, chip off the old block, but absolute maniac. And so she needed to concentrate on getting him through school. She did. um, And now he's a normal, well-adjusted human and an integral part of society and almost has his master's degree in mental health. But my, uh, my mom went back to work and then she was in charge of the switchboard she became the mm-hmm. switchboard operator, manager, proprietor of the hospital. And she recently just, I think it was after 14 or 15 years, 18 years total, but she had a break in service. And she recently walked because of their policies with, because she does not, she is a very smart, critical thinker. And she's like, the science and the data doesn't support the hysteria for what's going on right now. Yeah. And realistically, like she also has like allergies with preservatives and stuff that they sure. put, put mm-hmm. in, in those. She's got a, so she was worried she's had allergic reactions to other medications and other things that she's been given. <clears throat> and so she opted out and they were yeah. like, no, you have to do this. And she was like, no, okay, peace. Here's my, yeah. here's my resignation. I'm out. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's happening in a lot of places right now and specifically in New York, where a lot of people have been fired over not getting the vaccine who didn't want to take it. And again, I'm not against vaccines. And I think that this is, you know, there was a lot of red tape cut for this, but I do think it was still very fast. But for people who want to take it, I I think that that option should be available to them. And and I think that it's great for people who want to take that option. Again, your choice, but it should Mm -hmm. be your choice. And I'm seeing other healthcare providers like online on Instagram saying like, oh, like, fuck these people who walked out on their patients and quit on them and this. And I'm like, holy shit, like, are you, you're not even like thinking about this in like a normal frame of realm to me, in my opinion, of what is normal because they're being asked to put something in their body that they don't want in their body. And I don't think that anyone should have to take anything that they don't want to take, whether it's a pill, whether it's a shot, whether it's if they want to have an abortion or not. Like, I, I mean, this this whole, you know, the whole my body, my choice crowd, like, where are you right now? Oh, like yeah. for people who are being like literally having to take something in their body that they don't want in order to provide for their family. Like, where are those people in this conversations like with their vaginas on their heads to like sit down and have this conversation? Like, right. I, I just, I can't with that. Like, the, right. it's, my other favorite, my other favorite angle of that same conversation is you're killing grandma. Yes. But we're going to kill babies. It's okay to kill babies. Yes. And just to be clear, I'm pro-choice. Same. But uh, it's pro-choice with conditions. Like if you got to third trimester and now all of a sudden you're freaking out because you're a young mother and you just, you want to use this as a birth control me- methodology. No, 
No, not okay. Absolutely not. If you are a 14 or 15 year old girl that got sex trafficked and got knocked up, and now you unfortunately live in Texas and people are trying to force you to like carry a baby to term at 15 and deal with all the ramifications of that Mm -hmm. after dealing with the trauma of like being kidnapped, being sex trafficked, being raped, sexually assaulted. No, I don't believe in that. I believe there's different shades of gray and that's why we have to be uh, objective about looking at every angle of the, any particular situation, everything like from a tactical perspective, like people always ask me like, what gear did you use for this? And what weapon did you use for that? It depends. And I always told them it was mission specific and situation and environment specific. Mm-hmm. So I feel like the same thing applies here. And realistically, like, like I said, mainly pro-choice, but I want to know where like all of these like feminist vehement, like uh, anti-abortion people are with my body, my choice stuff. They're, they're silent. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and, and on it the It doesn't other- fit their narrative no. is the problem. And I have an issue when people aren't consistent with right. who they are, right? This right. is an inconsistency in your integrity, in my yeah. opinion. Like, it's okay for someone to have to get a vaccine that they don't want, but we should be allowed to do whatever we want if, it's in, if it involves my uterus, which I totally agree with, by the right. way, and I agree with what you said. Yeah. I, I think people think that women out there can't be pro-choice and also like pro-2A and like and things like that. I'm like, right. oh, no, 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 they exist. Hi, nice to meet you. Yeah. You know, I just, I'm I'm very blanket for freedom. I don't think that soda should be, you know, there should be a limit on how much soda someone should buy, even though I don't right. agree. I think that it's doing terrible things to people and it's killing their gut. And there's a reason that, you know, now there's a recommended screening for colon cancer that's 45, which is five years earlier than it was before. It's because we're putting so much fucking garbage in our bodies. But do I think I should be able to control what someone eats? No. Yeah, prostate prostate cancer stuff has has bumped up too. Like my doctor just put his finger in my butt for the first time, and I was like, "What in the fuck? Are, why why do I have to do this right now? I thought I had like another ten years." <laughs> and he's like, "Oh no, we got to start checking at forty five now." Oh, we just went there. Okay. Yeah, and I was like, "Okay," and so I I was uncomfortable for a, a <laughs> certain amount of time, but yeah, it's a thing. Like it's science and data keeps changing. Um, first of all, I'm dying over here right now. And this is literally how I laugh when mm-hmm. I just hear you talk in general, like mm-hmm. when you're in my ears, I'll just like spit in public, which is fine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, germ theory people, <laughs> it's fine. But first of all, do you know there's a blood test for that? No, is there? Yes. Yeah, like I don't stick my finger in anybody's butt. I order the blood test. Fucking thank you for telling me that. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to be like, fucking get my... <laughs> Let's do the blood test instead. There is no way if you came into my office that I'd be sticking my finger in your butt 100%. Well, my not. doctor, he's like 78 years old. So he's like a fucking dinosaur. Great dude. He was a he was a trauma surgeon in Vietnam. Great, great dude. But he's like, yeah, he's he's like, apparently doesn't know that this is a thing. And here's like, while we're talking about that, <laughs> oh, let's talk about the great divide in the medical community in general mm. where I like, okay, I let's have do it. like, I don't understand why there's like, and this adds to people's confusion on the streets regarding this is like you have to meet what seems to me like half the medical community that is very much in the same boat like you are where they're like hey this doesn't make sense the science and data doesn't support the hysteria my natural immunity works better the vaccination hasn't been really proofed out yet to my satisfaction there's all these things you know side effects with it problems and then you've got the other half of the medical community that's like no we must you must be vaccinated vaccination is is the only way and it's the only way we're going to get to herd immunity and all these things. And so I'm like, okay, well, like you just told me now, like I have this doctor that he like put his finger in my butt and 
as it turns out, there's a blood test for and that. And you've so. just been violated, really. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just, I guess, I mean, the, the Marine Corps did a great job of that, too. So That's fair. Yeah, I rode some green dick for a long time, so <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, natural immunity needs to be part of the conversation. And again, yeah. like, that's that's my big problem with this, is that the, there's no gray area that's allowed to be explored. Yeah. And, you know, my, my biggest thing is when people like medical students come into my office and they need yeah. titers for like measles, mumps, or rubella. They don't come back as immune and then we're like, oh, let's let's just give you a booster anyway, just in case. So I don't, some studies show that natural immunity isn't as good. Some people show that the vaccine, the vaccination is better than natural immunity. It just really depends. So like you can, and I mean, you can manipulate data any way you want if you know how to manipulate a p-value, right? Mm-hmm. Like you can, you can do that. But I haven't had anyone who's been able to explain to me on a physiologic basis, what happens in the body that is different as to why we need to be giving the vaccine to people who have natural immunity. And I do think there's more people in, to go back to your original point about the divide in the medical community, I do think there's more people who think the way that I do. I think just so many people are afraid to speak up about it. And I mean, I know that there are other providers where I work who feel that way, but you know, the majority of them are very much just very complacent with you know, just in general, not even just in my workplace, but I think a lot of people, when they go through this medical education, they work so hard for it. There's a level of commitment to that. Extreme level of commitment to that. Yeah. Which, which is kind of scary, right? Mm -hmm. So like, then you, then you start to get back into this myopic view where it's just people who are there, there's their, their critical thinking skills have been lost and they forget what the scientific method is, which that's how we test hypothesis, right? You ask a question and you, you test a theory and you see what kind of fucking outcomes you get. Mm -hmm. Right. But they just became so dedicated to it. And I think it's because of the amount of training. I mean, doctors go to four years of med school, four years of residency. And then if they do a fellowship, I mean, it's like you're you're like 90 by the time you're done, right? So Yes, correct. And I think there are a lot of people in the medical community are afraid to deviate from that and ask questions because then it's like they're questioning the schooling that they went through or the process that they went through or something like that. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, it's, yeah, they can't. I think that there's what do they call it cognitive bias or whatever. There, there's a there's there's something mm-hmm. where you get to a certain point, and then also confirmation bias. Yes, confirmation bias. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And then there's also um, mob mentality, mm-hmm. and there's people don't want to be the outlier. And you know, like they've done, I can't tell you how many like scientific studies on you know, be- oh human be- behavior and like sciences. people shocking people. Yep. I mean, I know all that shit. Yes. Yes. I mean, I think, you know, Scientology, religion, like if you've seen the movie, like uh, it's it's a documentary called uh, uh, Going Clear. If you've watched that. I haven't. Yeah. There's, but I'm going to. Oh, man. So it talks about Scientology and it talks about these little like meters that they have and that people would read them. And then that gives you your like number, your energy or like your, which is a uh, in correlation to the level of your spirituality. Hmm. And it's, it's fascinating to watch things like that, but to like, to what you were talking about with the shocking thing, like people don't want to be the outlier. They don't want to like, they, that's why, you know, you're just going to follow the herd. That's why that's a saying. The you sheep. Know. Yeah. So there's people that don't want to go against the grain because mm-hmm. they can't stand any type of scrutiny or they can't stand any type of um, conflict mm-hmm. on any level in their life. And so for those people, like, I feel sorry for you because I will never, I'll never be like that. I will never just, I've, and I've been a disruptive thinker since I was a kid, you know? So I've never been able, I've always, yeah, I've always been the black sheep. I've always been the odd man out. And I've always wanted to, you know, look at things that don't make sense to me in my mind. You know, I'm like, look at a situation. I'm like, this doesn't fucking make sense to me. Why are we doing it like this? Yeah. It was how I was in the Marine Corps. My fucking superiors hated me because I was always, and it just got worse with the more, the more rank I got and the higher I climbed up the ladder and the more, authority and voice that I could put into a situation. Mm-hmm. They hated it. And they were yeah. like, God damn it. 
and I, I got pulled offline a couple of times by superior officers that were like, when I question things openly and I was like, why the fuck are we doing it like this? You're getting people killed. This has a potential for a high rate of fucking failure and people could die this policy. And I got pulled aside by a couple of officers that were like, Hey, you're right, but this is just the way it is. And if you go against the grain on this, you're going to, you're going to fuck your career up. You're going to get an adverse fit rep to yeah. which my answer was always like, fucking bring it. I don't mm-hmm. give a fuck. If I fucking save the life of a Lance Corporal because I was a fucking dickhead to an officer, so be it. Yeah. And as you were saying this, it like saying this, it crossed my mind. I think the worst reason to continue to do something is just because it's the way it's always been done. And I think the military and medicine, I mean, I was never in the military, but just from like listening to people speak about it, the military and medicine are probably two of the biggest examples of that. Like, oh, this is just what we do. This is just what we do. Like statins, for example, is in the medical world. Like, why do we prescribe statins to diabetics? Like the risk of cardiovascular disease and cholesterol and everything else. But there's also a side effect on statins that they raise your glucose levels. Hmm. So like, why aren't we talking about that? And I ask these questions and I'm obnoxious to everybody. I feel like, like just everyone in my office probably because I'm always asking these questions like, well, why are we doing it this way? And (laughs) I'm the same way. Like I've been, I would consider myself a disruptive thinker because I just, I've never been afraid to speak my mind and I don't care what other people think about me to an extent. Like the people who are in my inner circle and who I respect and I love and I care about, like I'm not just going to be an asshole, you know, to anybody, but I'm also not going to be complacent and make other people feel good because it might hurt their feelings because of how I feel or how I think. Correct. Yeah. You shouldn't have to set yourself on fire to keep somebody else warm. No. Mm -mm. And I think as a female, you get, oh, as a female, you just get labeled a bitch like Mm -hmm. immediately. And I'm like, you know what, if it makes you feel better to give me that label, then that's on you. But these are my thoughts and these are the things that I think. And I just think a lot of people also don't have a strong sense of their own virtue or what their own beliefs are. So Mm -hmm. when they see someone who is strong and powerful and very confident what they say and can back it up with actual you know, evidence or physiology or talking about the medicine or whatever it, 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 in, you know, in your terms, what it is with like defending somebody's life, it freaks people out. Like, I just think when you have other weak, when you have weak-minded people and you have someone come on that strong, it freaks them out. And especially, Mm. especially as a woman. Yeah. Which you you can't relate to, but that's okay. No, but, (laughs) but one of the reasons that I am sitting here right now is one, you guys are awesome people, but two, I'm trying to balance my podcast with like, I want to have a good equal range of guests. One of the things I love about Joe Rogan and respect so much about him is his broad diversity and in, in the guests mm-hmm. that he brings on. So I want to try and have an equal amount of like having good uh, female guests and good male guests on to, to to tell their stories and talk about their yeah. you know experiences and then like share their share their um, subject matter experience with people. Yeah. So I know like you're a sharp cookie. So I, I'm, I definitely, I'm glad that we sat down to I'm talk about I'm not stupid. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. think a lot of, it's funny because I said to my medical assistant and I think somebody else, like, I just think a lot of people underestimate like what I bring to the table as a medical provider mm-hmm. because I'm really smart and I don't think I upplay it very well. Like mm. I did really well in PA school. I did well in my clinical rotations. I have a master's in therapy, so I know how to talk to people. Like Perfect. I- <laughs> so while we're while we're on that note, yeah. because we we went super hard in the paint. I know in, we didn't go the- back to my senior year of high school. Yeah, let's Do you want back. me to go back to my senior yes. year of high school? Yes. Since you're talking about qualifications now. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Both of us drew swords and and ran screaming and- like Braveheart at the COVID <laughs> issue. So let's back let's back up. We both had blue paint on our face. It's fine. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Here's the cloth. Wipe the blood off and let's like talk. Let's wipe, wipe, wipe the period blood off and let's go back to high school. Okay. I'm dead right now. Okay. Oh my God. I can't handle, I can't handle it. Um, 
high school. Yeah. So I, I grew up in Youngstown, Ohio, near Youngstown, Ohio, Canfield. It's a little suburb. It's kind of like the Richie Rich town. Um, but I lived like out in the outskirts. So I was like the kid who didn't live on a Mm cul-de-sac. Um, Went to, I switched schools um, after my freshman year and decided to go to private high school because I, believe it or not, there was less snootiness in the private Mm. high school that I went to as opposed to the public high school that I went to. Um, Oh, wow. That's shocking. Isn't it? Yeah. Um, I mean, it was still there, but I just, I don't know. I don't like clicks. I always sat at a different table at lunch. I never sat in the same table, which in retrospect, I think might be actually a trauma response of like never feeling like I truly belong to my family. So I just kept like hopping around to different groups. I had the exact same thing happen to me. I'll tell you about it. Keep yeah. Going. Keep going. So yeah. And then I, I went to a small liberal arts college in <laughs> Pennsylvania because I got recruited to play softball there. And I played for my first year and then I quit because I didn't fit in with the team. And I'm seeing a pattern here. So that's mm-hmm. that's okay. Um, that's where I met Marcus. Um, we actually met, what is it like 18 years ago now, Marcus? Yeah, I was 18. So <laughs> and you're still a boyfriend, bro. I love your I love your skill set. Yeah, we're gonna we, talk later. We don't know if we're ever gonna really get married. We it's don't fine. really care about yeah, that shit. That's great. It's like I'm I'm just gonna like we're just gonna be Oprah and her boyfriend and you know, live our best lives. You don't need the government to validate your relationship. That's kinda how we feel. So it's good. Show um, up show up because I'm a huge proponent for this because one, I've I went down the getting married road and it got horrific it it was a horrific train wreck. Like if a train broke off the track and like careened into a really deep canyon and exploded into pieces. And then those pieces like rained down for like 10 years, like little fiery meteors. That was my marriage experience. And so uh, tell me how you really feel about it. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, there's a reason we have fuck Sean Fridays, who is my son's stepdad and heard the guy that she had an affair with, but it's fine. It's It's fine. fine. I'm, I'm huge for like show up because you want to not show up because you have a piece of paper that says you have to. Yeah. And I'm totally like, if people want to get married, like that's their prerogative. Like I don't, I don't care. I don't, for me, I don't think in my personal life, it doesn't validate anything for me. It would just be like, well, okay. I mean, we're tied together for a house for 30 years at mm-hmm. this point. So I'm like, eh. Yeah. We'll just reevaluate the contract then. <laughs> as soon as things are paid off. Yeah. Yeah. I got it. Okay. It's fine. Right. So yes. Okay. I'm sorry. I distracted you again. Ba- softball. Yeah. Softball. <laughs> so you're at softball. So, um, you said, fuck the coach. You suck. I hate you. No, I didn't say fuck the coach. Okay. It was just like the girls. I like didn't, I didn't, I didn't really feel like I. <laughs> You're all a bunch of bitches is what you said. And then you, and you. Pretty much. You picked up your bat bag and you left. Yes. Okay. We'll just leave. That's a great way to tell that story. Okay. Um, and then I ended up getting a master's in counseling psychology. So I really had no fucking clue what I was doing with my life. Um, so undergrad was in what? Psychology. Okay. Undergrad in psychology. Yeah. Got that done. I've always been really interested in like human behavior and just, I think part of it is just, I didn't have a great, like I didn't have the worst childhood, but I grew up with a dad who's just, I don't talk to my dad. Like that's why I talk a lot about family estrangement. Mm. Um, I decided that it was better for me to cut that relationship off as opposed to the strain that it was putting on me emotionally and just yeah. physically and everything else. Um, you know, I think that's why one of the reasons why I have decent boundaries is because once you can cut a family member off, like otherwise it's like, you think, no, fuck you, get out of my face if you're not going to treat me right. Right. Like it's so easy for me to do that. You um, and me both. Yeah. I have the exact same issues yes. in my family. That's so, okay. I'm going to hire you to be my therapist. It's fine. Yeah. I, it's, it's good. I, 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 I might go back to it after 10, after my loan, my loans are paid off. So going back to like my shitty school decisions, yeah. um, I still don't think that anybody at the age of 18 should be allowed to sign on a dotted line for like 
a $200,000 education. Like I could not have gotten approved for this house at 18. Um, so, and even when we went through the loan process for our house, because I was an independent contractor and I was only at my current job for like a year and a half, I needed like five years of documentation of like my income in order Mm -hmm. to qualify for a loan. And I'm like, but here's 300 here. You can go $250,000 into debt. I'm a little salty about it. It's okay. But I also own the responsibility for it. I hate bankers. Yeah. And politicians. And I've decided that when the when we're, we're rapidly speeding up on probably the zombie apocalypse and the end of the world, <laughs> I'm going to become a warlord. And in my provincial territory, when I find people that are in the woods starving, I'm going to be like, "What is your? What was your profession?" Oh, well, sir, I was a I was a banker. I worked at Wells Fargo. Oh, perfect. And sir, what was your profession? Oh, I I was the I was a, I was on the city legislature for Jackson Hole. Great, great. Okay, so you're going to fight to the death. Here's an ice skate and a spoon, and the survivor gets to be chained to a tree and work my garden for me. Okay, ready, go. Okay. I'm just saying, like they're going to die the most horrific deaths that I can possibly dream up for them because they're absolute cunts. Yes. Because I deal. There's a reason I had to move down to Salt Lake. I couldn't, that, nobody would, like the, the, I fought with the bank over and over and over to give me a loan because they're like, well, your company, you know, and I'm like, yeah, that's a smart, I, to not show any tax liabilities yeah. is smart, especially yeah. with a startup company that I have. Mm-hmm. And so, but I'm, I'm like, why, why can't I have a loan? You know, I have consistent steady income. I have a z- z- literally zero debt to income ratio. And my credit score is in the 700s, mid 700s. I have a mid 700 credit score, zero to debt income ratio. I have my medical disability from my military time and I make decent money. Not, I don't get rich off my company yet. It, that'll happen someday, but yeah, well, yeah, but they will not approve me for a loan. So I've been like piecemealing cash. I've been like, okay, I got this chunk of cash. We're going to cut trees down. Got this chunk of cash. We're going to make the, we're going to dig the foundation. Got this chunk of cash. We're going to pour concrete got this chunk of cash like and I'm just going to continue to to do that probably for the next couple of years until my place is paid off and then the joke will be on them because then I won't have to pay them a ridiculous amount of interest for 30 years or 15 years or whatever so yeah. I'll be my late 40s but I'll have a place paid off yeah how cash. old are you 44 oh okay yeah we didn't know how old you were we were trying to oh was there out. was there bets going on there were what were the bets I, we thought you were he's 39 and I'm 37 so we're like I think he's closer to your age yeah, yeah. To, like I, but yeah, no, you're an old man. Before I am, Fuck. I am. yeah. I am. <laughs> no wonder you were talking about your creaky ass knees. Yeah, I know, yeah, I've had three <laughs> knee surgeries. You so. fucked your knees up pretty I, good. Yeah. yeah, patellar, my both of my patellar tendons ruptured. That's not something that feels good. I get, I gather. No, and there, it's like nine months to a year rehab on both. Well, the the right knee took twelve twelve months, right at a year before I could run mm-hmm. again, and then the left knee, which I ruptured twice. There was an incident where I got bucked off a horse and fucked it up again but uh Jesus. it took 14 months for me to be able to like get my range of motion back with that oh it sucks that sounds miserable and i don't want any parts of that i've knock on wood never had any s- severe injuries as dumb as i am with like the shit that i do hmm. i've never broken a bone and i don't know how that's happened good for you I'm, yeah i'm glad that you're t- maybe you're just playing it a little too safe maybe maybe i need to take some more risks you do maybe you need to throw yourself out of an aircraft or like we did that last year that was my gift to him oh, for his birthday. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, you guys did put that up on social. Okay, yeah. perfect. Yeah. Okay. So well, I have jumped out of an aircraft. I did. So I got this like, we're, we're, we're I, I will go back to yeah. my, my life timeline. Um, but I got like blurry vision in my eye because I think I just had such an adrenaline dump. It was just like, it looked like a mosaic. Yeah, it's a real Does thing. that happen? Yes. Okay. Yeah, or you'll get tunnel vision really bad where your world will just go down to like yeah. this big. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the adrenaline dump, like, people ask me, I'm like, jumping out of an aircraft was the most scared I've ever been in my entire life. Like, combat didn't even, 
I had some hairy shit go down in combat. And so, yes, there were some times where I was a little bit scared in those situations, but not like, not like skydiving. Like th- when that door rolled open, when the light turned green, the door rolled open and the, the uh, air blast hits you and you just start feeling the shift in the weight in the plane when pe- as people are going out the uh-huh. door and you're scooting closer and closer to the door, like it's a, it's a level of sheer terror that I've never experienced in my life before. It really was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I should show yeah. the pictures of my face mm-hmm. from this were really quite, quite incredible. Mm-hmm. I was definitely terrified. He, not so much. I'm like, do you have, do you have a pulse? I, right. Like, so that's, that's where I'm like, um, do you have a cortisol issue? Like, right. are you just like, is it, was it all the trauma? <laughs> like, is there, yeah. is there something wrong here? Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, so yes, I'm glad may- that you've done that. Maybe I do need to up my game though. But uh, I say, so, cause I like to circle that background cause sometimes it doesn't get translated completely where we're like, that is the scariest thing I've ever done in my life, but also the most awesome, yeah. amazing thing that I've ever experienced. And when I hit the ground, I couldn't wait to get back up and do it again. And it was only that first jump that terrified the shit out of me. And after that, it was really fun and amazing. And so now I love it. I haven't been able to get back into it because three knee surgeries, but I'm hopefully yeah. this next summer I'm gonna I'm gonna get back into it again. I'm gonna get Trevor Thompson wrangle that little fucker up <laughs> to take me, throw me out of a plane. So uh, I would do it again. I would 100. percent Oh yeah, do it again. it's amazing yeah. once you get past that first threshold of terror. Yes. <laughs> once you get past it, the first part, you're oh you're like oh god, god I didn't die. That was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's a it's a great it's a great time. Okay, so student loans. I interrupted yeah, you. They suck. No, yeah, we're good. Both. I can keep I can keep it all on track in here. I'm quite smart. And so, you're you're taking notes, which I am, nobody I, does. Listen, I ha- if I think of something I have to write it down or I won't reference it back. Like okay. I have to. Take those notes. Um I maybe I, I maybe I should be taking. Maybe notes. you should be taking notes, especially <laughs> because you've been consuming alcohol. So I'm just one deep here. Yeah. I'm one. One. It's fine. So yeah, student loans suck, and yep. so I made you know some decisions with my education that weren't super great. But I blame it on trauma brain. I mean, I don't like. So like I said, I didn't have a really good relationship with my dad growing up. There was just lots of screaming in our household. Like mm-hmm. something was always wrong. Like you spill water on the ground, you get yelled at for like hours on end. It's. I mean, it was just. I mean, I could go on and on and on about the mm. stuff that like went on in my childhood, which we can get into and that's fine. I have no limits of talking about things and I, sh- I share a lot of personal stuff anyway. Um, that's fine. I got my face shoved yeah. in dog shit and got beat with an extension cord until I looked like Tony the Tiger with bruised stripes. Stripe, bru- like I had natural camouflage pattern on my skin. From- in your childhood? Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. When I was like eight. That's normal. Mm-hmm. Completely normal. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's completely like, normal for your dad to shove your face in dog shit and then beat yeah. you with an extension cord. It's totally fine. Yeah. I never experienced anything like that. It was yeah. all like verbal crap for me. Yeah. But my mom got cancer when I was 12 and then she died when I was 16. So, mm. um, you know, everything just like exploded during yeah. that time. Like, you know, anything that was like shifted onto my mother from him, like shifted onto me. And I've since reconnected with some of her, her family members who I've been estranged from and just telling me a lot of things that, you know, confirming a lot of things about my father, just like how awful he was to her. And, you know, I mean, he would even tell me things like, you know, oh, I never wanted a kid, but your mom did. I mean, who says that to their child? Right. It's not normal. Like, let's be very clear. Yeah. So there was just a lot of things that went on. um, Who tells a kid that you need to go get vaccinated or you might kill your sister? (laughs) That's going on with my son, by the way, and his wonderful stepdad, which is why I have hashtag fuck Sean Fridays. Oh, God. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Who puts that kind of pressure on a kid? Yeah. You might kill your sister. I can't. Yeah. I can't either. What is the infection rate even in children? It is very low. Mm-hmm. I don't see kids in my practice, so I don't follow that very well. Right. But yeah. That's not normal. <laughs> Correct. So, and to your point, like 
the things that you went through. So would you say because of this, it really pushed you or, or inspired you to, to get into mental health? Probably. I mean, looking back, I mean, maybe, maybe it was me seeking something to like heal in myself, like mm-hmm. wanting to heal other people. I think a, like looking from the outside and now a lot of patients who I see who struggle with mental illness or, yeah. you know, just have ha- had hard lives, they also seek out that same path. Right. And I don't know if it's a, let me you know, because there is that personality type of like, I want to fix other people and ignore my own problems kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if there was some of that going on. I mean, I was so young, so it's hard to, t- like, I didn't really have that in, I wasn't that in touch with myself and like what was going on. I think I did a lot of, I did, I repressed, I repressed very well because it was functional for me at the time. And then just throughout my life, very slowly things just, you know, started to trickle out. I started to realize things and like kind of deal with them super slowly. I mean, since, I mean, that my mom died when I was 16 and then things went really downhill with my dad. He just started like drinking a ton. I never knew if he was alive or dead or out or, you know, what he was doing and, 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 and whatnot. So, so mom died of cancer at what, when you were I 16. Was 16. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah, it super rugged. Um, you know, but so, you know, when dad says sign on the dotted line, if you want to go to college, go bring it back to the student loan thing. Yeah. We have really danced around. It's mm-hmm. fine. Um you know, you sign on the dotted line and I just, I hadn't, I just wanted to get out of my house. Like that was the biggest thing for me was I saw college as not like an opportunity for education, but it was my ticket out of the fuck out of my house. I would not have survived there. Like I would have lost my entire mind. Yeah. So, but you know, signing a hundred thousand dollar loan ticket to get out of your house, it wasn't the best decision and that's on me, you know, Mm. but that was rough. So, and then I just still didn't know what I was doing. So I just continued my education because I really thought I was going to go and do the therapy thing. And then I I just wanted to do more. I wanted to like be, I wanted to be able to do the whole gamut. Like if I need to prescribe medications and interpret diagnostics and do like, I really wanted to do the whole thing. And one day I had, I was, I have a quite a random background too, because I also bartended. I was a personal trainer. Um, I bartended for like five years. And during that time, one of my personal training clients brought me this thing and she's like, here's some information about the PA profession. I think you would like it. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I think I do. So so undergrad psychology, master's in mental health. Mm-hmm. And then somebody brought you some information. They're like, while you were bartending. Well, I, as, while I was personal training. Personal training. Mm-hmm. And so they gave you a, a thing, thing on, on the PA profession. Okay, and cool. I was like... And so what's... What was yeah. the thing that drew you when you saw the information and they were like, here, you should check this out. And you looked at it, what resonated and like made you lit that fire to where you were like, oh yeah, I want to do that. Um, it was a lot more financially secure. Mm-hmm. You know, PAs make good money. I make decent money right yeah. now. And as a therapist, you know, unless you're working in private practice, like I, I didn't have a lot of good long-term gratification at that point. Like right. I could be in private practice as a therapist, probably making really good money because I therapize probably a lot of my patients because mm-hmm. they all need it. Um, so I, I shouldn't say I therapize them, but I use those skills a lot. Right. Um, and I, I do, I have thought a lot about this recently and I do think it's something that I will go back to and get, I passed my boards, but I didn't do my, um, certification hours for counseling. So I never like, I never went under anybody's supervision to get them to sign off on it, to start like my own private practice. But I don't know, maybe someday I still think about it, you know? So I went back, I did my prerequisites and I, you know, nobody thought I would do it. PA school... At the time I was applying, which was in, I applied in 2012, um, it was very competitive. And I think, I think it's even get, just getting more competitive. So by the numbers, it was harder for me to get accepted into PA school than it was medical school based on the number of applicants and the number of seats available. Hmm. So there were 40 seats in my program and 1,500 applicants that year. 
So I ended up getting accepted and here I am today. I've been practicing for almost seven years. Nice. Yeah. And loving it is every day still, you still love it and passionate about it as you were when you first started? You know, that's a really hard question for me to answer right now because I think that medicine is, it's on a really messed up trajectory right now. You guys are in like people in the medical profession or in the first responder profession. It's like every day is like a knife fight in a phone booth. Yes. Yes. I love that analogy that you use. It's fantastic. I love what I like. If we take all the bullshit out of it and we boil it down to what I do with my patients, I really love it. Mm -hmm. I do. I want to help people. I want to see people live their best life on their terms and Like, I truly believe that being healthy in your mind, body, and soul, like, if you don't have that, you don't have anything. And I think that medicine in this country has become, here's a pill for this, here's a pill for this, here's a pill for this. Oh, I'm a product. Yeah, I I completely agree with that. Yeah. And there is no discussion about what people need to be doing with their lifestyle. Yeah. And why are we not teaching that in medical school and PA school and nurse practitioner school? Like, why aren't we talking like diet and exercise Mm -hmm. is the first line treatment on our test answers for nine out of 10 things. Seven out of nine risk factors for heart disease are modifiable. The only two that are non-modifiable are your family history and your age. You can't change that shit. Sorry. Can't go backwards. You know? Um, So I I just think we're missing such a large part of that conversation and we just keep going down. We're, We're following the dollars, you know, of big pharma and just drugs, 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 drugs. And it's like, you know what? If I saw this there's this um, Instagram site, it's called Military Crime or something like that. And they posted something and it said, if your doctor isn't, if you're coming in with a complaint and your doctor isn't first talking to you about how much are you sleeping, what are your stress levels, what kind of food are you eating, you know, what kind of relationships do you have, like, and they're just prescribing you a medication, they're not a doctor, they're a drug dealer. And I was like, yes. And I know that that's an extreme position, especially for someone who has a, I have prescriptive authority in several Mm -hmm. states still, but why does it always have to be about a medication? Yeah. And I'm not saying that medications are wrong. I just think that there are so many tools in the tool belt and we exhaust only one or two of them at our disposal. Yeah. Well, it upsets me that uh, at the VA, like they don't have or realistic. Well, and I don't know if this is true in, in some civilian cases, but at the VA, like they'll give you whatever, you know, pills that you, they think you need but they don't have, there's no natural supplementation at the, at the pharmacy. Like they won't give you protein powder. They won't give you vitamins that you need they, to synthesize, you know, hormones better. You know, if they find like, cause I have a TBI, my amygdala is damaged. So like my body, you oh. know, struggles with hormone production. So I have to be on like HRT. And so, um, they don't, they don't prescribe your any, amygdala or your pituitary, whichever the one that makes the amygdala is like your emotional center. I just want to make sure I'm understanding you correctly. Yeah, I, mean, I could be fucked up because I have a TBI. So I'm like, I could be, and I'm not a, I'm, I'm only, a, I only play a doctor on TV. So <laughs> the, uh, it's whatever one helps synthesize like testosterone and like okay. controls your sleep. Is that pituitary or is that amygdala? I would have to look. I can't remember <laughs> where testosterone is. Synthesized. You're fucking fired. You are fucking fired right now. I mean, <laughs> I got to look it up. Well, I'll, I'll look it up. Listen, keep talking. It's a good thing that you're... But your pituitary gland, you have an anterior and a posterior pituitary. And um, I believe it's like oxytocin and PTH that is just your posterior pituitary. Yeah. And everything else is your anterior pituitary. But I can't remember what the hormones are. So I will look it up on the old Google machine. Continue. Okay. If only we had a thing that we could a push... A device a, that we could look that shit yeah, up Yeah, we on. could push a button and just ask it anything. I know. It, it spits out answers. Are you going to ask it COVID questions? Hey, Siri... No, stop it. (laughs) 
and the survey says you're fucking up so bad right now. <laughs> you're fucking up so I, bad. So here's the thing: is that growth hormone is made there, prolactin is made there, and I believe that those are involved somehow in testosterone. There's doctors right now that are like, "Oh my!" I know God. they're so fucking pissed at me. She's I'm a, gonna get DM'd. Like she's a fucking guest on this podcast, and she's a subject matter expert. She doesn't even know what what center Listen, of the brain. I said I was an expert on period blood, not testosterone. Okay, fuck off. I oh, love it. We're going to get to the period blood stuff, so it's, it's good. No, so gonna- this is what I thought too. So testosterone is made in the testicles is what I thought, but I didn't want to misspeak and sound like a fucking moron. So it's actually made in specific cells in the testes called your Leydig cells. But what is the thing in your brain that stimulates that process? What synthesizes that? Um, the pituitary gland. So yeah, the pituitary okay. gland is going to secrete luteinizing hormone and FSH and that's going to stimulate those cells. Okay. Well, I'm fucking retarded and monkey that I eat, I eat crayons and my knuckles drag on the ground. And all I can really do is count to 30 because that's how many bullets go in a magazine. So can you even count that high? I mean, no, I usually just go to 28. So <laughs> anyway, the, yeah, I probably fucked that all up. It probably, well, it probably is. How did we get here? Because I was talking about how brain damaged I am. But how do we get to how brain damaged you were? I don't know. Anyway, let's just keep going. Okay. Don't look, don't look back. Just keep going forward. Okay. <laughs> I'm here for keep, it. Keep telling your story. So where are we? It's, oh, so PA school. Yeah. Yes. Um, so I went down that path of getting accepted in PA school and a lot of people thought that I couldn't. I said, fuck you guys. So I did it anyway. Mm-hmm. Oh, then we were talking about the, it, like, am I happy in my job? That's where we were. Yes. Um, so I, like I said, one on one with what I'm doing with my patients. Yes. Like I, I, I do truly want people to go out and like live their best lives and be healthy. But I feel like I saw this picture the other day and it was from like the seventies and it's like, this is what healthy people used to look like on mm. a beach. And like the pictures now and just like what fucking processed food and the garbage that we put in our mouths has mm-hmm. done done to our society. Um, and I was like, holy fuck, is this really what people looked like in the 70s? I don't know. I'm not that old. So I was just like, holy moly. You know, and I think that's just it's super frustrating to just see, I think, in overall in society, just how the money trail mm-hmm. dictates everything from politics to our health care to everything, you know, to everything. And so when you look at the greater picture of it and the policies and the things that are kind of going on in the world, it's a really fun, like, I probably would not get into medicine right now. Like if I was going down that path and all this bullshit with COVID happened, I'd probably abandon ship because it's just, it's so much garbage and it's. Yeah. I don't know how medical professionals or police officers are managing to get out of bed every day and go do what they do because you guys are both heavily demonized and it's a very polarizing job. We're either demonized or we're put on these pedestals that we don't need to be on. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm sorry, but your doctor is not the end all be all for the advice that you need to do with your health. And like, I see that so much with people Mm -hmm. like women specifically who are just afraid to like stand up to their doctors or tell them, no, I don't want to do this and not get a second opinion and all of these things. And I'm like, you're, we are not gods. Mm -hmm. We are not there. We don't need to be put on pedestals. And that's, I had such a problem with the whole healthcare, healthcare hero thing. Marcus like will mock me about it Mm -hmm. and tell me I'm an essential worker. (laughs) I can feel him behind me. I feel it. Yes. There's hev- like, heavily mocking. There's but it's like, mocking, this is yeah. the job that you got into healthcare to do, mm-hmm. right? So like I got into healthcare to take care of sick people. Granted, I work in family practice and I really like keeping people healthy, but that's the choice that I made with the specialty that I, that I wanted to go into. But it's also my job to take care of sick people. And so now we had this whole thing erupt where people now became heroes for just doing their jobs. Right. And then all these people freaking out about, oh my God, I actually have to wear the PPE that like I was tested for in my job. And I get it. I'm in an outpatient situation, but I worked in the hospital. I've been doused in COVID. It's been all over me. Like I, 
I had a patient who left my office the other week who had COVID and I hugged her. Like, <laughs> I don't generally hug patients, <laughs> right. but I know her in my personal life yeah, too. Yeah. So it's just like, where did, how did we get here? Mm-hmm. How did we get here where I'm just being praised for doing the job that I'm paid to do? Like, I have confusion about that and I know that I'll probably eat a lot of shit for it. Mm-hmm. But all these people who are just asking for all of this praise for, going to work and doing their job. I recognize that it's hard. And, and especially for the ICU workers, I will say this, like it, they're seeing a lot of death right now. They are like, cause they're the sickest of the sick people are going to the intensive care unit and they're seeing all these people die from COVID. So they're seeing the 40% of this country that is fucking dying of obesity. Right. Is what they're seeing and the, and the accelerant is COVID. Yes. So yes. when people, when we start talking about statistics and when people are like, but people are dying right now and yes. people, there's people in the ICU right now. I'm like, the first questions out of my mouth are, how much do they weigh? Yeah. And then you just see their look change and they're like, whoa. I'm like, how tall are they and how much do they weigh? Mm-hmm. This person that just died that you just told me about, how much do they weigh? And like the last person that like tried to throw that shit in my face when I was talking about this was like, people are dying. And I was like, okay, cool. When was the last time you had somebody die on your watch? Last night. Okay, cool. How much did that person weigh? Mm-hmm. Well, I don't, uh, uh, how much did they fucking weigh? Mm-hmm. Well, he was 39 years old and he was 410 pounds. Fucking shut up. His body's walking up. around in such a state. Of, his body's yep. already in a cytokine storm. Mm-hmm. And then you add COVID to that. And listen, like, I don't believe, I believe that weight is one measure of health. Mm-hmm. It's not the measure, but you can't fucking pretty talk your way around someone who's 400 pounds being healthy. I'm sorry. I'm not for that. Data fucking matters. So that's the, you know, that's one strong point that I'd like to make is data fucking matters. So if you're on this like drinking the COVID Kool-Aid fucking vaccination Kool-Aid shit and you want to come throw fucking shit in my face about people that are dying, the first thing I'm going to do is fire back with like, okay, what were the comorbidities and like how much did that person weigh? How yep. old were they? Oh, they're 39 years old, but they weigh 410 pounds. Get the fuck out of my face. Yeah. It's not the same as me. That as person was going to die. Mm-hmm. What do you think that person's life trajectory or that life expectancy is without COVID? Well, that's the thing is we're not, we're living in an age where people are not actually living. They're just in medicated survival. Right. And don't get me wrong. Modern medicine is great for people who have like, you know, hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, which is a genetic disease and you pass it on. Like, you know, we have defibrillators and implantable devices to keep pacemakers, to keep your heart where it needs to be with its rhythm and things like that. Right. Like there are a lot of amazing things going on, but when you're sitting around and you know, you see those memes going around about like, oh, this is what I thought the zombie apocalypse would look like. And then you see the guy like on the on the couch with a huge belly and eating potato chips. It's like, that's literally what's happening. That's literally what the government put us into with like, let's shut everything down. We'll give you $1,200 to live on and we'll call it good. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it's like, <laughs> what? Right. Like, and they're encouraging people to just stay in homes and shutting down gyms and all of these things. I never stopped going to the gym. I never wore a mask in the gym. I never got COVID. I mean, this thing is so contagious. We're how many months into a pandemic now? Almost two years. Mm-hmm. I haven't had it yet. Neither have I. Why have I not had it yet? I just want people to tell me. like, Especially working in health where you're I, like I, constantly exposed to it. I yeah. germs all the time. And I'm I'm not an emphatic masker. Like I'm in between patients. If my patients, you know, don't want to wear a mask, I'm not putting a mask on. Like, right. you know, because I have rules I have to follow at work and shit like that to keep my job. Like... But our, our office is very lax like right. about that stuff. And, you know, I never stopped living my life. I traveled probably more in 2020 than I did any other year. I was on planes and trains and automobiles and all kinds of stuff. And, you know, sure, like when it was required, I just, you know, I wore my mask. I did my thing to get on the airplane or whatever. 
And, but I, I never ended up, I've knock on wood, I've not yet ended up with COVID. And I just, I've been exposed to it <clears throat> several times yeah. and like directly exposed to it. Like mm-hmm. was doing jujitsu with people that were infected. Same. And they called me the next day and they're like, Hey man, I'm really sorry. I didn't know I had anything. Like I lost my sense of taste and smell. You should probably go get checked out. And I was like, okay, cool. I'll wait until I, I have symptoms sure. before I go get checked out because I made the mistake. And this was early on. This was like summer of 20, <clears throat> but I or late summer of 20, I went to get checked out after this person was like, Hey, I got COVID. You need to go get checked out. I went to the hospital and it was early on. And so they were like, well, do you have symptoms? And I was like, no. And they're like, we were not testing you. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> they wouldn't even test me. That's hysterical. Yeah. They're like, come back when you have symptoms. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. <clears throat> so I went home, never got symptoms. And, and, to, and to, to your point, exactly what you're talking about. Like I haven't changed anything really about my life. Like I've gone to business meetings. I've traveled extensively. I've gone out to dinners, business dinners. I'm still licking doorknobs, man. Yeah. I have not. (laughs) Correct. I haven't had any issues. And I know for a fact, there's been four times specifically in the last two years where I've been directly exposed within inside. Breathing distance. In breathing distance. I mean, doing jujitsu with somebody and like sweating and breathing heavily on each other. You're all over each other. Yeah. We might as well be making out. Yes. So the fact that there is, that I've not had any symptoms. I'm like, okay, well, I must be one of those like genetic freak gingers that like with O positive blood that does not. I have a positive blood. So I, I have I the high risk blood. Yeah. And you've had no issues. I've not. Um, I have not had my titers checked, um, but I do think, so I have this theory. I want to hear your theory. Let's I piss have... off the internet really bad. Yes. <laughs> um, Fuck you internet. Yeah. <laughs> So I have this theory about, I call it my germ theory, Mm -hmm. because I think we're too clean in society. And this actually has, so I developed this thought process out of, you know, they study babies who are born vaginally and Mm -hmm. babies who are born via cesarean. And then they follow them and see, oh, were they, did they grow up on a farm? Did they grow up in a city? And what all of these studies have kind of found is that the babies who were born vaginally, who grew up on a farm, they had more diverse microbiome in their gut, which we're learning is super important for health. And breastfeeding is an important part of that too, isn't Dude, it? Dude, boob feeding is important, my yeah, friend. Okay. Yes. I do um, know that much. <laughs> but I, I just think, you know, we've developed all these hand sanitizers and clean and antibacterial and this, that, and the third. And it's like, you know... When I was a kid, I was drinking from the garden hose and like licking dirt and touching toads and then touching my face. And like, I was, I mean, I was a total tomboy. Mm -hmm. Like, I know it's probably shocking to people listening, but like. (laughs) I'm not shocked at all. I feel like I give it away pretty easily with like the lifting and the meatheadness and stuff like that. Um, But, you know, why do we have all these autoimmune diseases now? Like, why do we have, you know, the autism, the autoimmune diseases, the allergies that we have now? And I do think part of it is just our diagnostics improved, right? Like, Mm -hmm. so as medicine evolves, our diagnostics improve. So we're going to naturally see more cases of things. But I also think part of it is just we're not allowing our body it's, it's like working a muscle, right? So like the more you do a bicep curl, the more you can, the more you can lift with the bicep curl. And it's the same thing with your immune system. So like all these little bugs and things that we were fighting off every day in the dirt and the everything, like our system has to work for that. Right. And that's my other argument with like, what are we creating with all of this cleanliness that we're doing right now? And I, I, I don't know if there's any merit to this. This is a total Danielle Kepix theory. So I don't want people to get all up in arms about shit and Whatnot. This is just my postulation of like, well, if we're not exposed to things, how can our system learn what things are? Or develop a tolerance. Right. So, or acclimate to your whatever your environment is and to the germs that are natural in that environment. 
there's been a spike obviously in kids that are getting sick more often at schools with other types of uh, infections because they're being masked and because they're being they're having to use hand sanitizer 52 times a day it's actually depressing their immune system to where now like if they get exposed to like a little bit of a cold that like wouldn't even have touched them in the past before covid now they're getting actually really sick from it and they're going home and then their parents are going crazy because they're like, I think my kid has COVID, you know, every two or three weeks when they come home and they've got the sniffles and they're congested and they've got, you know, stuff going on. I take them and I get them tested, you know, and there's no, there's, you know, they test negative and they have no antibodies or whatever. And so let them get over their cold and then they take them back to school. Kids are getting sick and going home more often because they're masked mm-hmm. and because they're um, being made to use hand sanitizer, which I think. Like, I hate hand sanitizer. Can I just say that? I fucking hate it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't use it. Yeah. I, I only use it, uh, every once in a great while. And, and usually it's if I'm in a public restroom, cause I've been in public restrooms where there's like no soap and I'm like, okay, how do I sanitize my hands? And I look around and they've got a, a hand, sanitizer. hand sanitizer on the wall. I'm like, okay, well, we'll go ahead and use that instead. But yeah, I, I just... try to, I try and stick with soap and water as well, because you know, a lot of people don't know that massive amounts of alcohol getting soaked into your skin and going into your bloodstream is not good for you either. Probably not. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're, you know, there's a reason why getting into like some hormone stuff. So like a lot of the female disruption in hormones, like a lot of period problems are, they they are from hormone imbalances right. and problems, right? Like too much estrogen, not enough progesterone, too much testosterone, however you want to look at it. Right. Um, so how did you real quick, how did you, how did you get to a point in your career where you were specializing in? Cause it seems yeah. like Oh, that's a good question. Yeah, I mean, that's the, yeah, let's talk about started that. the whole joke about the period blood <laughs> and me screwing with you about that on Instagram. I love that you do that, by the way. What's that? It's like my favorite thing when you drop in on my period posts. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, lo- I love to make smart I love the comments. trolling. Yes, I, I am good at it. You are. So the, <laughs> the uh, how did you get to where you were specializing in, in like specifically women's physiology and health? Yeah, so I mean, I, I practice family medicine, but one of... One of the things that I I feel like I do have like a subspecialty in is women's health. Um, And the other thing, it would be like nutrition. Mm -hmm. Um, So I haven't really gone back and talked about this, but we'll we'll kind of peel. I'm going to peel back a little bit to get to get to that question. So I've been athletic my whole life. Like I my dad had me. The one good thing that my father did do for me is he had me lifting weights at the age of 12. Hmm. So I've always been. In a, I've been a gym rat my whole life and like I have always just been involved in things that are active and when um, when CrossFit came around I got really big into CrossFit mm-hmm. um, so I started CrossFit back in like 2011 and I got really good pretty fast I think my highest finish in like a CrossFit Open was 144th in the region out of like 8,000 plus women so I wasn't like elite but for like your average Joe person who like goes to school full time and has a job or whatever like I was good how many, you said 8,000, you were in 144 of 8,000. Yeah. You're in, you're in probably top, top 1%. Yeah. Top 2% sure. or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Um, so I got very competitive. I got very good really fast. So I was always someone who just ate food. Like I never heard the word diet. I didn't really know what a calorie was. I just knew that I needed to eat vegetables and meat and most of the time to be a healthy human. Mm-hmm. And this was until I was about 31 or 32 I mean, I was probably slamming like three to 4,000 calories a day. Yeah. Like that's just how I ate because mm-hmm. I was fucking active and I just listened to my hunger cues and I would just eat. This is going somewhere. I see you're confused. It's okay. We'll get there. No, I was thinking this is great, <laughs> but I was like, I was thinking about how I loved chocodiles when I was a kid and I used to eat chocodiles. What's that? 
Oh my fuck. You don't know what a chocodile is? <laughs> no. You're is too how, old. This is how old I am. A chocodile is a chocolate covered Twinkie. I don't When I was a kid I stole one from the from the convenience store. I don't know if that sounds it's different than a ho ho, right? Yes. It's a Twinkie. You know what a Twinkie is? Yes, right? I know what a fucking Twinkie is. It was a <laughs> chocolate covered Twinkie. And it was bigger, but a Twinkie that is chocolate covered. I can't decide if that would be gross or delicious, and there's no in between. It's ma- it's amazing. Okay, they're, well I'm gonna have amazing. to try that out. They're amazing. Yeah, they're so I gravitated back to them. Well, I went away from them. I when I was a kid I loved them, but then realized that it probably wasn't great to eat that kind of crap for a long time. So then I lived on donuts as a child. It's fine. I'm not judging. You. Ramen noodles and donuts. Yeah. yeah so good. then I solid diet. Yeah. So then I yeah. eventually gravitated away from that and then realized going in my adult life when I started running ultra marathons and you're just like, when you're out running for eight hours straight at 10,000 feet, you're like, I would eat the asshole out of a dead rhinoceros <laughs> right now. Cause I'm so hungry. And you literally feel like you're dying because you would like ingest anything that would give you caloric value. I you, felt like that on the John Muir Trail. Yeah. We'll get there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I've, I've gravitated back to those and they're made an amazing race food. Like it's just like rocket fuel. You yeah. take some, you take some caffeine. Fat and carbs, ta- man. You take some fat, you, t- you eat some peanut, like a squirt of a peanut butter packet and eat a chocodile and. I would say like some salt, like some salt. Oh yeah. Those. Yeah, yeah. I take, I had uh-huh. salt tabs that I would take every two hours and caffeine pills. Yeah. Rocket fuel. Yeah. So. Period blood. Go for it. Yeah. Period blood. It's getting there. Um, the, the original question just for people who are like, what the fuck was the original question was, how did I get into all this woman's health garbage? Yes. And period blood. Yeah. And I was always someone who just ate. And then I got very interested after I graduated PA school in nutrition and just seeing like what I could do with my performance and mm-hmm. like my body and stuff. So I hired a nutrition coach and I got into a caloric deficit that was really nasty. Um, like I said, I was probably eating three to 4,000 calories a day and I ended up eating 2000 calories for like two years. Why would you, why'd you shift? Right. So this is, um, yeah, good question. So I originally hired a nutrition coach to see like what I could do with my strength, like just to see, could I get better performance? Could I, you know, whatever. And then I started to see body changes Mm -hmm. and that's fucking addicting, especially when you're someone who's lifted weights your whole life and you've never manipulated your food and you look like someone who could walk on a bikini stage in six weeks. Right. Fucks with your head. Okay. Yeah. So I got very addicted to the way that I looked, what the scale said, and just, I mean, I even got addicted to how low I could get my heart rate. Oh, wow. Re- mm-hmm. Like resting heart rate? Yeah, fucked yeah. up, right? Yeah. Yeah, so this is, for anyone listening, like, this is not normal behavior. Like, if this is something that you're doing, like, talk Stop. to somebody. Stop. Yeah, yeah, seriously. I mean, I was a, I was a psychopath. Like, it was just, I, like, I counted, every, like, I did a macro counting program, so, and I was, to what, to the naked eye, they'd be like, well, she's eating 2,000 calories. I started waking up in the middle of the night. I started just being like highly irritable and ended up that I, you know, I wasn't having periods. I had a marina in at the time, which for you and other people who don't know is a progestin only IUD that some women continue to ovulate on and other women don't. I have no, I, you can't really know. Right. Um, because it's shed, it, it thins your uterine lining so light that you don't have, you don't have any menses. So mm-hmm. you can't really know. So I start, I had some blood work done like towards the end where I was like, I wasn't, I wasn't having any hunger cues after like probably about 18 months. Um, my hunger cues started to go away. I was gaining weight on less food. So my, my weight, the scale just started to go up and I was like eating less food. I wasn't hungry. Like, and I was still, I couldn't sleep. Like I would wake up at three 30 in the morning and I've never had a sleep problem in my life with all the crap I've gone through. Like it, I've never had disrupted sleep. And so waking up at 3.30 in the morning and not going back to sleep and then having to go work a 12-hour shift, like, right? I was fucked, you know? So when 
I got my blood work back and my thyroid was in the tanker. For people who don't know, like your thyroid's kind of the first thing to go when you go into like what is called metabolic adaptation. And what this is, is that when you downregulate your metabolism, so you don't, you can't really break your metabolism. It just takes some time to repair, right? So I like to equate this to people who don't really have a nutrition or fitness mindset to a to-do list during your day. Like, I don't know about you, but every day when I wake up, I have like the top three things that I need to do things that would be really nice if I got done. And then like the bottom, it's like, if I'm feeling really motivated, this shit's going to get done. Yeah. I have three three whiteboards that I, that I, Oh, you're a whiteboard guy. I love whiteboards. Oh, Marcus, you guys just, oh, you guys just became BFFs. I have, I have two whiteboards in my bedroom that I like, that I go crazy on every day. We write on our mirrors and stuff Mm -hmm. too. Anyways, calories are like energy, right? So it's literally like you have calories, you have joules, like this is going back to basic chemistry principles, chemistry or organic chemistry principles. The top things on your body's to-do list every day are like convert oxygen to carbon dioxide and pump your heart because that is literally survival. Shit at the bottom of that list, that's what people come in to see me for, shit that annoys them, right? I have headaches, I have no sex drive, I can't sleep, I can't poop, I'm pooping too much, I'm anxious, I'm depressed, all the way down here. My period blood is like black. Yes. Yeah. Totally a problem, right? Right. So when you continue to give yourself 2,000 calories a day, your body just starts to slowly cross cross things off of the bottom of that to-do list. So it just does it less. So thyroid hormone is one of those things that is just like, don't have the energy for that today. See you later. Mm. So my thyroid was in the tanker and I was like, this is a problem. Like that's, it was really a huge wake up call for me. And I hate that I had to like get into that position for it to be so bad that like, it had to show on my blood work that I couldn't recognize that I was really far into like disordered behavior. Like I wouldn't say that I had an eating disorder per se. Like I wasn't anorexic. I wasn't bulimic, but I probably, I definitely had some orthore- orthorexic tendencies, which is basically just the obsession with being healthy and it. So then you become unhealthy. I didn't even know there was a word for that, but yeah, thank you for sharing. You're- orthorexic. Orthorexia. Yeah. And so. that's the obsession with being fit. Yeah. So it's like, <laughs> People who, you know, they're obsessed with clean eating and rules around eating and intermittent fast. Like, just, oh, I know some dudes like that. I'm I, like, stop being a pretty bitch and drink this IPA. Shut right, the fuck up. Right. It's yeah. like the fuckers at the birthday party who won't eat the birthday cake. Like, yeah. that's not normal. You know, like there's, there's being health conscious and then there's being so worried about your health that it becomes a problem in your relationships. And I, God bless him for dealing with it. I don't know how he did it. Oh, so he was along for this ride. Yeah. That's okay. actually how him and I reconnected. So this poor guy, I'm going to talk about his level of abuse later. <laughs> so we'll get into how we can get into how he and I reconnected after that. But um, so anyways, I started finding all of these. I started following more health centric people on Instagram. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I love Instagram for so many reasons. Social media can be a total shithole, but it can be really good for some things, too. Right. And then it led me to some naturopathic physicians like Jolene Brighton and um, some health coaches like Nicole Jardim, um, Dr. Carrie Jones, Dr. Sarah Gottfried. All of these people are very, very amazing resources for women's health. So if women are listening or dudes, if you have a woman, you know, you can educate yourself Point and you can educate the, yeah. them, right? Point in that direction, yeah. Because this shit is really important. Like we joke about it, but like it's fucking important. And so at the same time that I decided to get out of this caloric deficit, I also got off birth control because I found all of these women talking about like what birth control does to the body. And, you know, and I'm not a birth control demonizer in the same way that I'm not an anti-vaxxer. Like, I just think that women need to understand like what's actually happening with their bodies because I'll tell women like, you know, you don't ovulate on the birth control pill, right? And they're like, yes, I do. And I'm like, that's literally the fucking mechanism of action by which it works. Like it shuts down ovulation. So you don't release an egg and you don't get pregnant. Like that's literally how the pill works. Yeah. It tricks your body into thinking you're pregnant. Correct. Yeah. It's chemical castration when you really think about it. 
And I'm not, I think you know me enough to know by now that I'm not some fucking raging feminist running around with a vagina on my head outside of DC. Like, but we would never, and I say that to preface the statement of, we would never ever give men a pill because it doesn't exist to cut off their testosterone in order to cure their acne. Right. We would never do that. And no men would ever fuck, would you ever take that pill? No. Why? Because you would feel like fucking garbage, right? Like you would have no sex drive. You had no energy. Your body composition would go down the shitter because your testosterone is fucking important to your health. You can't recover from workouts as fast. Everything. Yeah. So the only time doctors give a fuck about women's menstrual cycle health or their hormone health is when they want to procreate. And I think that's absolute a fucking garbage conversation Hmm. because women's hormones are important for so much more than that. And I started learning all of these things like our bone health, our heart health, um, lower incidence of dementia in later age for women who naturally ovulate more. All of these things I started to learn. So I, 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 it, was, it was a personal thing for me at first because here I was like, I was, I was sick. Like I looked good. Don't get me like I looked amazing and people will still say, oh, but you looked so good. I w- I'm sitting here telling you I was sick. Like uh, not only like physically, but like mentally and how I was living my life, like that was not okay. And so I went through all of that and that led me into learning everything that I know now about women's health and how important our hormones are and how important having a healthy menstrual cycle is. And, you know, period problems are so normalized and so demonized and women come into me and they're like, oh, my period is just, I don't, I don't even want to deal with it. And it's like, we've been so, so poisoned in society with how women think about their reproductive health of like, it's just a pain in the ass. It's messy. I don't want to deal with it. Like, And in reality, like it's actually a sign of health. Like the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology deemed the menstrual cycle the fifth vital sign in 2015. So I can't for the life of me figure out why we're shutting it off at every inconvenience that a woman has with the pill. So that is my, I get really heated about it. (laughs) Well, you lived through it. I did. I lived through it. And, you know, I can't say that if someone would have had this conversation with me about like, this is what the pill does, would I have made a different decision? I don't know. Because, right. you know, I don't know what I would have done. I was in my 20s. I mean, I was taking like, I was not taking my birth control right in college. Let me tell you this. I am, mm-hmm. thank God I never ended up getting pregnant because I definitely was not take, like taking that shit right. If you're not yeah. taking it within a three hour window, you're, you, you drop down to typical use instead of perfect use. So with typical use, the pill is only 88% effective, which means you have a 12 and 100 chance of getting pregnant. Hmm. People don't know that. Scary, right? Yeah. So let me ask you this. What's your, yeah. since you have such an amazing opinion of birth control, yeah. what your, what's your opinion of the, the plan B pill? I don't know enough about it. Um, it's not something I've ever written for. It's not something I've ever taken. Um, thankfully, I've never had, I've never had to do that. Um, I think it's an option and I think it should be available to women. Uh, I do, I have had some patients who have taken it multiple times. I just had a gal come in and she used it. She, she had a little bit of a rough life and she had used it many, many times in a short period of time. And she's like, I think I'm fucked up from it. So I have had some women say it will mess with their periods and stuff, but long-term I find that, um, you know, they had regained their cycles and and things like that, but I I don't know enough about it to like, you know. So what color should the blood be? Yes. What color should it be? Let's talk about it. Because I've seen like pictures, (laughs) pictographs, color charts on your Instagram and I'm like, oh man, that actually is (laughs) the color that comes out of humans, huh? That is not great. And I'm dumb. I'm a dude. I have a dick. But I looked at that picture and I was like, if that's the color that's coming out of you, that can't be anything good. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So your period blood should actually be like a dark ruby red. So like your ruby red color crayon, Mm -hmm. um, that's the color that period blood should be if it's healthy. 
and it should not have like a ton of clots in it. It should, you know, you should bleed somewhere between like 25 to 30 um, to 80 milliliters per cycle, which um, there's a lot of different ways you can break that down depending on what you use to like collect period blood. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it can tell you a lot. Like if you have, if you have a lot of clots, if you have really, really dark blood, it can, you know, it's an indication that you have too much estrogen. Um, So estrogen is great. It's a hormone that we need, but um, when you have too much of it, um, it, you know, it, and it depends on what, what pathway it's favoring too, because there's a couple of different pathways of metabolization that estrogen can take. Um, but that's usually what causes women the problems because that's what gives them the breast tenderness. It gives them the moodiness, um, sleep disturbance, things like that. And it gives them the heavy, painful bleeding. And I call that cuntiness. Like that. Yeah. That's a good word for it. Yeah. It gives you the cuntiness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At what levels does your estrogen have to be for you to break a beer bottle and chase a, a, a man around a parking lot with it? Because that's happened to me on occasion. And I was just wondering, like, what is there a pill what for that? What did you do? Has it, if it's happened on a couple, here's my question. If it's happened on a couple different occasions, was it different women or were you the common denominator? No, no it, was, it was different women. Uh-huh. It was like breathing. I was breathing oxygen at the time. <laughs> I was breathing oxygen. Were you? Yeah. You weren't yep. doing anything? Nope. You weren't being an instigator? No. I d- why would you say something like that to me? You're a redhead. <laughs> it's the ginger thing. I, no, I was I was doing nothing. <clears throat> um, was there alcohol involved or drugs? No drugs. Uh, alcohol, light light amounts of alcohol. I think maybe Did you there know was these like, people. Oh yeah, yeah. One of them that I was dating. The other one was like interested, and then it just the conversation. I think at some point devolved, and something I said probably set her off. I mean, humans run away from me with their faces on fire on a regular basis. So really? It's, yeah, it's fine. I mean, Why? I, I mean, cause I don't sugarcoat anything. I just, if somebody's, but that's what makes you so great. If somebody's being a cunt. I'm just like, you're being a fucking cunt. Dude, dudes and girls alike. It's I know. A, it's and a, women probably get so pissed off. At so that. pissed off at that. Which, I'm offended by almost nothing. So, well, I, I'm then you, I would say then you're well adjusted. I feel like people, I feel like our country has a massive problem with being overly offended right now. Oh, I do too. I do too. I'm like sucking fuck up, especially like the, like, like going back to what we were talking about earlier with like individual freedoms. If you want to decide that you're non-binary, fucking go for it, but don't expect the rest of us to give a fuck. Yeah. Like if you want to be a special little snowflake, don't cry because the fucking bathroom signs aren't to your liking. Like just you're non-binary fucker. Pick one, go in the dude bathroom and pee standing up or fucking go in the woman's bathroom and pee sitting down. I don't fucking care. I don't care. Yeah. I don't save it for somebody else. Go, go complain well, someplace else that you're it's not just getting such attention. a small percentage of the population. I'm not saying that yeah. this doesn't matter. Cause I like, I have those patients in my practice and I treat yeah. all people the same. Like I don't care if you're white, blue, purple, have a dick or don't, or right. tuck it between your legs. I mm-hmm. could seriously care less as long as you're the only people that I judge are people who don't like dogs. Yeah. Like, and I don't care who you're having sex with as yeah, long no. as it's not children and animals. As long as they're a consenting adult, yeah. I could give two fucks less. Right. I really don't care. Yeah. If you want to wear a furry costume, go for it. If you yeah. Want. Yeah. If that's what you're into and yeah. the other person's into it, like, good yeah. on you. Live your best life. I don't care what that entails. Again, as long as no one's being hurt in the right. process. But I just think we've gotten to a point where like everybody has to adjust for everyone else. And we walk around on tiptoes and it's, it reminds me of my childhood, just walking around on eggshells and kind of like mm-hmm. never knowing what the situation was going to be when I come home. Like, do you ever really know what you're getting with a human? Like when I see a new patient, I'm like, oh, what's going to happen here? Oh, don't know. You know, it's all, there's always something that you can offend somebody with. Yeah. And I'm I- just like, can we all just grow? Like, I don't think we should be going around like just telling people that they're cunt faces for no reason, but like, can we all just grow a little bit of thicker skin? 
Right. Just like a half a percent. Or maybe stop trying to exert yourself with being special because you have elected to not identify your gender. Well, and and we're caring more about about these things, about 0.5% of the population. And like everyone else is just getting thrown to the side and all the things that that really matter. Like, I mean, even just take the, I'm going back to like the COVID vaccine thing, but the mandates in the military, I'm like, is this a national security issue? Because if half of our Navy SEALs decide they don't want to get vaccinated and they're like, I'm fucking out. Does that then become like a, not a national security, but like a defense issue? Am I saying no, it right? No, because like, they're, they're SEALs and they're mainly just interested in li- sleeping, eating and lifting weights, which is what SEAL stands for. And looking at their hair <laughs> in the mirror. We have the United States Marine Corps that'll take up the slack for all of the fucking pussy ass Navy <laughs> SEALs that decided to fucking get out. So it's fine. Okay. Well, the military in general then. Right. Like, is that a problem? You know what I mean? Because of- I mean, on a serious note, yeah, it could affect readiness because the special units can't be grown overnight. Right. That's what I mean. You can't. So yeah, we're giving take, There's less a pipeline bucks. and it takes a long time to grow people of not, not only a special operations community, but like jet pilots. Yeah that fly close air support or, I mean, you name it. There's a lot of, you know, intelligence personnel. There's a lot of schooling that goes into and and training that goes into these people and a lot of time. And so across the spectrum. So yeah, it it does. It definitely affects our, definitely affects our readiness for sure. And we're so concerned with being woke and politically correct that we don't, don't, we're not even considering these things. Mm -hmm. I mean, like we're going to, we're going to give illegal immigrants that are crossing the border $450,000 yeah, I mean, there's... What are we doing? Yeah, I haven't really dug into that to see... Because I have things that pop up in my feed like that. And instantly when I see things that are super outrageous like that, I'm like, I need what's to... The, what's the fine print? I need to Same. research it. I need to dig down into it and make sure this so I verify the source on that. You know, like... I hate I've you. not dug down either. Yeah. So, Marcus, have you dug into that? Is it legit? I mean, it's not surprising. Yeah. So, I... Yeah, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm not for that stuff. And again, it's very unpopular opinion in my age, my gender, and my profession. Well, I'm just mad that there's like a billion people on the planet that don't have access to clean water. But then there's also fucking cunts here that are like complaining to the restaurant manager because the, the bathroom signs are not, nine, not, they're not gender, non-gender biased. So I'm like, wow, this is where we're at as a species right now. We've Only in the US will you probably you, see things um, like that. Did you read Candace Owens' book? No, I have not yet, but I love her. I've, I love her too. Yeah, I've I've watched a lot of her stuff and she she makes so much sense and so much logic. Oh yeah, so much. Which is why she's hated so much. I know. She, she makes a lot of sense. I love her. Um yeah. you should read her book if you haven't. It's okay. great. Um I will. highly recommend it. But she talks about in her book how we have come so far as a society that there's like nowhere for us to go, so we're actually regressing. And like cuz if you think about it like there I, th- I think it was her that talked about this. I don't want to put words in her mouth, but I saw this concept talking about how there are now colleges and universities where black students have actually asked for their own spaces on campus to segre- to be segregate from others. And I'm like, wasn't there like a war fought about this or something? Right. Because, and all of these kind of like little microaggressions and micro problems that we're talking about, like we've, there's just nothing else for us to do do to argue about so we're going back to like the same shitting problems that we had in like the 50s and 60s and all the you know rosa parks martin luther king stuff that had gone on Mm -hmm. at whatever i don't even know what years those were in society it's really bad that i don't know that mid late 60s yeah um you know and i just think that's a really interesting concept it's like we have it so good that we need to be bothered we need to create another problem right well i get really pissed when people are like racism is systemic 
which means it's infected our system and our systems and our, our government governance mechanisms and all of our, all of our, all of our, basically our social system, social systems are systematically infected with racism. And I'm like, you guys are fucking stupid. Anybody that says that is fucking dumb. And here's why we just had a black president. We just, with the, the Congress and the, the house and Senate are the most ethnically diverse that they've been in, in the country's history. Like if you look up the racial breakdown of the mm-hmm. members of the house and Senate that are of different ethnicities, whatever those are like, so on every level of our government, there are all kinds of people from all kinds of different ethnicities and all kinds of people of color that are at leadership posts within our country, mm-hmm. i.e. the vice president of the United States right now. Mm-hmm. Shut the fuck up with your fucking life's not fair bullshit. Okay. Mm-hmm. I don't want to hear it. Yeah. There's, there's grants and there's systems out there to get you to, to lead to all the, all the roads have been paved for ben you. Ben Carson. Yeah. To go live a better life. Yeah. Do you know his story? I, I know, I know that he's a doctor and I know that he ran for president or he was a presidential candidate. I don't know his story specifically on how he got there. Yeah, so I have a huge problem with the whole, you know, everybody has a different starting line. So, right. like, we need to make things fair. No, like, you need to learn how to be a resilient human being. Sorry. Right. You know, so Ben Carson, for those of you who don't know, he grew up, um, he's a neurosurgeon. He was the first neurosurgeon to um, separate conjoined twins by the brain. So, so brilliant. So, yes, brilliant, retarded, yeah. basically. Yeah. Total moron. Yeah. Um, his mother had a third grade level education. She was like a house cleaner or something. But all she ever told him and his brother to do was read. That's all they ever did was read. And his brother like fucking works for NASA or some shit. Right. So single mom, African-American, like, like obviously statistics are against this guy. Right. Mm-hmm. And so like, and he's this world famous neurosurgeon who ran for president. His, I think, I honestly think his brother was, is like fucking works for NASA. Right. So don't come to me with your disenfranchised shit. Get off your ass and do something for yourself. Like I just, I can't with that story. Like, I mean, my childhood was not that bad, but I am not where I should be statistically based on like adverse childhood event scores, which is like the study where they look at like things that um, children, have you heard of the ACE studies? No. No. So they basically look at like, oh, like, did you have a parent who was incarcerated? Did you suffer any abuse? Did you have a family member who was ill? Like all of these different factors they looked at. It's a, it was like a 10 year longitudinal study or something. And I think if you had an A score of four or higher, it puts you at an, you know, increased risk for like the number one thing was cancer. Mm -hmm. So these, uh, again, another thing that pisses me off is these assholes who want to say that the mind and the body aren't connected. Um, fuck off. So that's just how I feel about that because. No, I've seen, I've seen it firsthand in my own family members that have Mm -hmm. like undergone massive trauma or super emotional, hard emotional stress will manifest physical ailments in the body. Like I've seen it. Mm-hmm. already. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. I see my patients every day. Yeah. Anyway, so the, the if you have a certain A score, it says that like, oh, you statistically are going to have a harder time in life or have certain predispositions to certain ailments, illnesses, or whatever the outcome of your life is or how much money you're going to make, et cetera, et cetera. But what they found is that the one thing that really matters is that you always had one adult that was stable. That adult could change. But as long as you as you gravitated towards someone and you got that nurturing and that stability, people turned out better. And I think that's what happened with me. Um, so I, I I just I hate that I hate the victim mentality. Right. I hate the victim mentality. I cannot. Yeah. No. I can't do it. I either. can't with it. It. I mean, however people feel about him, Dan Crenshaw's book was really good for that. Yeah, no, I don't, I, I can't stand victim mentality either. I've never been, I've never been able to my entire life sit around and feel sorry for myself. It's not in me. Yeah. 
I don't understand how pe- I don't understand how people do it. Right. Like I have a very I think the the patient that I struggle with the most is the person who I call it Eeyore syndrome. Mm-hmm. Did you watch Winnie the Pooh as a child? I did. I loved Winnie the Pooh. Yeah. yeah. I fucking love me some Winnie the Pooh as well. Yep. But you know, Eeyore was just, dur, 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 yeah. just very like down and just everything is always against them. And I'm like, well, what are you, I'll ask people this, like, what are you doing for yourself? Mm-hmm. And they look at me like, you know, the world has just exploded. Like I, ex- I, I expect you to. Look at you going hard at people with your white privilege. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, have you seen the people around St. St. George? Like yeah. everybody's white here. Yeah. Um, I mean, there is some, there is diversity here, but right. I, I joke, but like most of my patients, I would say a large portion are white, but that the whole white privilege thing and you need to feel sorry because you're white is just a whole other. Yeah. Hmm. We're not, I can't. I need to be sorry because this is the way I was born. Correct. What? Yeah. Isn't that a two way street? I, what, like, where's the logic with that? Yeah. I can't. And I feel like people's like it's the level of in, like the mental sense of entitlement, the somebody owes me mm, something. Participation trophies. Yeah, all of that. Like it's it's none of this is helping move our society and our country in a positive in a positive direction. Like I don't give a fuck what color your skin is. I have friends across the color spectrum, close friends. I have served with amazing people in combat that were you know, the massive eth- ethnical diversity, eth- ethnical diversity there. And, uh, love, I love the fuck out of Dave Chappelle. I think he's one of the most brilliant fucking people in entertainment. Like I look up to and admire several African-American people that are, you know, that have blazed a trail. Candace Owens, one of them. Yeah. Perfect example. Perfect example of that. Okay. I want her to run for president just to like blow the Democrats out of right. Mind just right to, now. Yeah. Just to, just crush to piss them. off the country. Yeah. Anyways. No, I, I wouldn't say that that would be a bad, a bad thing, but, uh, at all, but the, yeah, I, I think with everything that we have access to in this country, grants, programs, nonprofits, I mean, I've never seen so many fucking nonprofits in my entire life. Like there's more, (laughs) I mean, just in the veteran community, there's more nonprofits out there than you can possibly imagine. So like with all of the free money that's out there and opportunity that's out there, you are, you can, you can succeed if you're willing to take risks and put the, and put the work in more importantly, put the work in, stop sitting around with your hand out and go put the work in, pick up a book, put down the fucking drugs and alcohol and go, go, go work hard. Yeah, I did. When I was like going back to school to do my prereqs for PA school, I had to take, I think I took like a microeconomics class Mm -hmm. and I actually did like my end of semester paper on abuse of the welfare system. Yeah. Oh, it's bad. It's I've, horrible. Yeah. I mean, people who want to say like, oh, that doesn't have, yeah, it happens. And I've worked in those, I did my counseling internship actually in school systems with kids. I don't ever know how I did that. Cause I don't even see kids in my medical practice. Cause I am not a kid person. I saw it. I saw it in the parents, you know, and just the comments that they would make. And I'm like, you're literally abusing the welfare system. Mm-hmm. Like I would go into these homes as a therapist and and see these kids and I'm like, oh my God, like this is, this, Mm. this, this actually happens. Like this is not just statistics. And yeah, I mean, I have a huge problem with people who just want to sit around and take their handouts and not work for anything. Like, what does that teach you? Like, what do you gain from that? Like, I just, I can't imagine not being a 
like contributing member to society or not having a purpose. Let's just say, can you imagine that? Yeah. I can't imagine like waking up every morning and not having a reason for like drawing oxygen and like enjoying sunshine and walking around on this plane of existence. Like I can't, I can't even fathom what it would be like to not have purpose. But like, what, like how, how do we get to the point of like, where, where does the divergence happen? Because like you obviously had some bad shit happen in your childhood. My childhood wasn't perfect. I mean, our childhood sounds very similar. Yeah. Oh, yeah. our fathers are probably like, they could probably be best friends. It sounds like. Yeah. We, nobody died, but yes, there was. Narcissistic. There was some terrible things happened. Yeah. Very. There's this book called um, like dealing with emotionally um, immature parents. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this is literally everything. My like yes yes to everything like everything was always my fault or I would fling myself at my dad at like the ripe old age of six like a spider monkey trying to claw his eyes out to keep him from beating my mother in front of me lovely yeah so yeah yeah I've I've had some and I grew up in a but how did you turn out okay like how like you know what I mean like how are we individuals who still you know pursued a sense of purpose and had that like I don't know I where did the diver where does that divergence happen between you and I and then people who have decided to lay on their couch and take out government handouts all day? I mean, that's a good question. It's I don't know how to answer that. It might be g- genetic based or, you know, I don't know. I don't know how to answer that. I I was just never I never felt content to just sit around and feel sorry for myself like when shitty things happen. And it's probably like I'm on the other side of the spectrum now because I've now had several female relationships that have gone sideways where they're like, you're a sociopath. Do you even feel anything? <laughs> I'm like, well, I'm sorry that I'm like, I mean, what What do we, I'm, I don't understand why we're getting emotional about this situation. Well, my cat just died. Okay. But how long did you have that cat for? Well, 16 years. I've had that cat since I was a kid and you you're not even you're not even being nice to me right now. I'm like, well, I'm trying to be as supportive as I can about your cat dying, but it's a cat. It's not a dog. Sorry hey, to say, but you have a cat. I know, but they're conditional love creatures, and they I have a problem with that. <laughs> you only want to love me when it's convenient for you. <clears throat> <laughs> she does get very uh, needy when she, it's time for her food. Correct. So, but on a serious note, like you know, the the uh, yeah, we've we've definitely probably paralleled some some life experience and I don't know why I've just never been able to like feel sorry for myself or I mean I have a little bit there's a there's a natural level Mm -hmm. of like feeling sorry for myself and I I have felt sad and I have languished for a period of time I think the longest that I was like super depressed about anything like where I just like couldn't get out of bed couldn't do anything didn't want to function sat there and like drank myself to death you know was combat related issues so and and then I didn't let myself sit there. And that's what I tell everybody. I'm like, it's okay to go through a small emotional process, mm-hmm. feel bad, r- you know, have some remorse, grieve, but don't put up a fucking tent and camp there and then turn that into your life. Right. Yes. And I think, you know, to take it back to, you know, the the point at hand, which is, you know, humans that need to, you know, that can be can be successful. Everybody can be successful if you put in the right amount of hard work. You know, if you go back to leaders in the, you know, famous leaders in the African-American community, like I've heard so many of, I've heard like Morgan Freeman. I've heard, you know, Will Smith. I've heard um, Mm -hmm. uh, Denzel Washington's one of my favorites, you know, Ben Carson, Candace Owens. These people that are like super successful leaders in the African-American community will always look at their own people and be like, get off your ass and work. Yes. Go for it. The world's your oyster. How much work are you putting, willing to put in? You know, Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan talks about how many times he fucking failed. And it was... A lot. That was a lot. 
It was like two, he talks, he said something about 297. He like, he was keeping track of his failures and he's like, I've had so many things fail. He's like, I've had more things fail in my life than go right. But he was like, there was one thing that I was really good at. And he's like, I focused all my effort and all my attention on it. Obviously it's basketball. And he, you know, still in my opinion, probably the greatest basketball player that's ever lived. Yeah. I might have to fight people later because I said that, but I, I mean, I don't know enough about basketball, so yeah, so I mean, things, you know, I can't make a comment on that. No, all my buddies that are like Kobe Bryant fans are going to come come after. Oh me. yeah. Okay, so work hard. Yeah. Work your ass off. I agree. Yeah, you know, people are want to. You know, I've already got like people that messaged or commented on that thread, and they're like, "What did you do on vacation?" <laughs> I'm terrible at taking vacations. What do you think I did? Yeah. I, what did you do? We started to talk about it. And I, then... so, I so yeah. So I went to. Um, I was participating, you know, I work with a nonprofit that supports um, veterans for, you know, alternative PTSD therapies. And I love that, by the way, does does plant medicine retreats and seminars. And so I went and participated in that for like my third go around and supported that and then went on a road trip and visited some friends and and then up in the Pacific Northwest. And then I got to the point where I was like halfway through kind of my hiatus. I was like 14 days. I was like two and a, two, right at two weeks in. And I didn't get a chance to pull off social media completely because my life related to work, being an mm-hmm. entrepreneur and like running my company. And then also, you know, keeping things going for the podcast because the thing that I didn't want to have to do because I hate it is when I take time off and I come back to my life and I get back on my electronics and then I have hundreds of emails and hundreds of DMs and hundreds of texts to sort through. And I fucking hate reading emails, texts, and DMs or messages until my fucking eyes are bleeding. (laughs) And so I wanted to stay a little bit on top of that. And so running my company and then bouncing back, bouncing in and out to keep track of that, like I didn't do a very good job of like staying off of it, which I mean, it was funny like driving down here. I was like, well, that was into my little 30-day hiatus and I really didn't even feel like I took a break. Like I felt like I just kept at it and kept going, which is what happens when you have a you know, I have a small product development firm and it's, it's like a kid. It's got, da- it's got daily care and feeding things that I need to do for supply chain management, for customer service, for inventory management, management, accounts payable, accounts receivable, which I'm doing exclusively right now. And then on top of that, I'm doing the podcast stuff on top of that. So, I mean, it's just, I didn't really get a break, but I, I did drive down the Pacific Northwest coast a little bit. And then I, I got to a point where, you know, I came inland and then visited some friends in Portland and visited some friends in uh, Bend. And then had, I was going to continue to, I was going to go back out to the coast and continue down the coast and then pretty much go the whole coast of Oregon because I've never done it before. And then shoot east back to Salt Lake, Mm -hmm. cut across Idaho and visit my friends in Idaho on the way back. But I had just been on the road and then I had a pretty rowdy experience with this last plant medicine seminar where I peeled some layers down to a level, which was a level that I've never experienced before. That's cool. I went hard in the paint and it was an energetic and emotional like Alamo where like I was left standing there feeling like I kind of have after firefights where like my ears are ringing really hard. My vision's a little bit blurred. You can smell the smoke and blood in the air and your like bell is just rung super hard and you're trying to fucking get your wits about you was kind of it was kind of the situation post ceremony. And so it's, you know, and then there's your integration phase and you have to take that very seriously, which I've been doing, and then just like waiting for the download to happen. Mm. So it's a great experience. I highly recommend everybody that does to to that's suffered from a lot of trauma to give it a shot. 
and see because it's definitely it's been, definitely been super beneficial in my life and like turning my emotional and mental state around. But it, on the same token, like that, I want to say to people that listen to this is like because there's there's a stereotype around psychoactive things or or things that are just off the beaten path. And to those people out there that would judge me and be like, oh you know, you're just a fucking hippie tree hugging fucking retard out there, you know, tripping balls in the woods. Like, it's not like that. It's not a, your perceptions, unless you've done it, first of all, shut the fuck up. Second of all, it's not, it's not that it's, it's not a, it's not a recreational thing. It's not at all. And, and so what I would also submit is like, if you think it's okay to go to the VA or go to any mental health professional and get a shit ton of pills put in your hand, drugs put in your hand, that, okay, like, here's your Prozac. Okay, your Prozac does this to you. Here's a pill to fix that. Oh, now you're, mm-hmm. you've got some, a little bit too much anxiety because you're taking too much Prozac. Well, let's dial down your Prozac a little bit and let's give you some Xanax. And oh, okay, now the Xanax is fucking you up. So you need this. And now you're on an SS- SSRI. So now your dick doesn't work. So here's yep. some fucking Vicodin for that. And like, before you know it, and no, now you can't sleep very well. So like, now here's some Ambien and you're having fucking horrifically violent, vivid nightmares from your Ambien and waking up screaming. <clears throat> good for the PTSD, right? Wonderful. Yeah. Fuck straight off. Okay. Fuck straight off. Like if you're going to judge me because I don't want to participate in that anymore. And what you're describing, let me be very clear to people, what you're describing in your, like with those medications, I don't know if that was your personal experience. No, I I outlined my personal experience. Yeah. But that is very common. Right. One drug to cover up the next thing. And I'm really curious as to what Vicodin is doing for your dick not working, but I don't know if I really want to. No, it was some it was some SSRI that they had me on, and I forgot what it oh, was yeah, called. Oh yeah, it totally kills your libido. Yeah, crushed it. Like for it's a really big problem for men. Yeah, but what you're describing is not um, it's not uncommon. And I, as a conventional medicine practitioner, think I don't I've never done ayahuasca, but I personally think that microdosing is the future for mental health treatment. Yes, and I've also done that for a period of time, and it's mm-hmm. it's amazing. Like the if you are interested in any like scientific studies in that or a subject matter expert in that, like Paul Stamets is like one of the leading mycologists, which is a mushroom scientist. And he did a podcast with Joe Rogan. So go check out Paul Stamets. And he has what he calls the Stamets stack, which is microdoses of psilocybin stacked with lion's mane stacked with vitamin D3. And it's supposedly, and well, not supposedly, because I did it for like 30 days straight. And it, it was amazing, like how calm and clear and mm-hmm. wonderful I felt from taking all of that. So, but big pharma has nothing to gain from that, right? So that's where I, I said that to one of my. Uh, one well, of the it's tra- like these fuckers right now that are like demonizing the shit out of ivermectin, ivermectin. but then they're going to take it and put it in a pill form and call it something else, yes. rename it some other shit, put a brand name on it, and then sell it. Sell to, it for a shit ton of money. Yeah, it's j- jack the pricing up on it and sell it. Mm-hmm. And I don't think you or you or I are against capitalism. <laughs> no, but, no, not at all. But there, I have a problem with. The, the integrity of that. And, and yeah, I, I've read those articles about the medication that they're looking at and they're like scarily similar to ivermectin. I haven't read the details, full disclosure, but right. I do think that the future of mental health treatment is in the microdosing and ayahuasca and things like that. And like I said, I've not done it myself. I have interest in it. Um, we were actually just talking about it last night, oddly enough. And it's remarkable. I'm like, like I think I've done a good job at working through my shit. Like mm-hmm. I feel pretty well adjusted. Like, I don't have any physiologic issues. I'm not like waking up screaming at night. I don't have nightmares. Like I don't have any of those things going on in my life. But I wonder at what level I've repressed things to like as to like what would come out for me in something like that. But I don't know if that's an actual reason to go and do that. 
Yeah. Does that make sense? Yes. Let me ask you this though, because I've come, I've, I've got a couple of people in my life that have had this opinion, same opinion as you, and I've talked them into going and they're like, wow, like game changer. But the big butt is there. They were like, I didn't realize how much I was repressing and that I had just like blocked out as a coping mechanism mm -hmm. and doing that like brought it all screaming right back into my face to where I had to deal with it, which is kind yeah. of some of the shit that I had to deal with on this last ceremony. Like I was ceremony 10, 11, 12, because when we go, we sit for three days. Ooh. You're in ceremony for three days straight and you're, you have to take a special, you know, you're on a special diet two weeks before that. So oh, really? That, yeah, you have to be. I know, because when a, you talked to Kelsey, she talked about like coming off her medications. Yeah, she was off her, her meds. Her episode was awesome. I enjoyed that, by the way. Yeah, and she's been off her meds ever since. Yeah, I remember her. I was like, that's fucking cool. And there were people at this last seminar that went to, that had to get off their meds that came in and I checked on a couple of them last week and they were like, yep, still off my meds and I feel great. What's the diet though? I'm curious. It's vegan. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's Why? Heavily. It, I mean, it's the... not completely vegan. You can eat chicken and okay. you can eat eggs. Okay, um, I could live on that. Yeah, you can eat chicken and eggs, but it's like predominantly plant-based. And the reason for that is so that when you drink the clear medicine, system. it's your system's clear and that mm -hmm. your intestine can absorb the medicine to its fullest potential. Hmm. Okay. Because it's, but what ayahuasca is, is it's two different vines. My friends are going to be so upset with me because I don't, I'm sorry, people, I'm, but it's two different vines. You don't know one, right? I know, right? One is DM, one is a DMT. Uh huh. One is heavy in DMT, and one is a some type of inhibitor because there's DMT in all the kinds of things that we eat all the time, and it's naturally DMT that naturally occurs in your brain, which is why I'm like, how the fuck can this shit be illegal when it's in a lot of food and we already it already like gets produced in our brain? It's like what is responsible for dream your dream state? Oh, well, it's a chemical that's responsible for your your dream state when you're in REM, so that it's naturally occurs in the body. So these two vines, um, we eat this stuff all the time, but what our digestive system does is it, it, it breaks down the, the DMT. So what this does is there's an inhibitor. When you put these two plants together, there's an inhibitor that blocks your body from putting them from breaking down the DMT. So the DMT actually comes through and absorbs into your bloodstream. Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. And it's a, we call it tea, but it is brewed. It is definitely brewed and broken down in from these two plants being combined together. And then it, is got the consistency of coffee flavored cough syrup. I know you told me that. I was like, that sounds. That has like a dirt tin, like an earthy, like if you maybe took cough syrup, like coffee flavored cough syrup, and then you sprinkled a little bit of dirt in it, like planting potting soil, maybe. Mm -hmm. It tastes like dog shit, but <laughs> it is not as bad as other things um, on the planet. So. I would rather do that if then take medication. Mm -hmm. Like I just, you wouldn't. Me personally, it's not for me. Like, I just don't want that stuff in my body. I'm no. very much like a... Well, after going, doing the gamut of like the pharmaceutical boogie, like I just described, where it's like, take a pill for this, then you're going to have these yeah. side effects from that. So take a pill to treat that. And then that's going to create side effects. So you need to take a pill to treat those side effects. And before you know it, your system's so fucked up and you're on a pill for a pill How do you even know what's real for, for you anymore? Like, Correct. how do you even know what your feelings are? Like, you're either numbing things or you're exacerbating them. And like, just the whole... I have people come into my office and they're like, well, I'm going through something difficult. I need Xanax. And I'm like, maybe you need to learn some coping strategies. Mm -hmm. Like maybe you just really need to sit with your feelings. Like just because it's uncomfortable doesn't mean it's bad. Right. And I think we've just become, and I'm a huge mental health advocate. I think if you have mental health and you need to, issues and you need to take a medication or you want to go do ayahuasca, what, like whatever works for you is what works for you. But 
I do think we've become a society that has just overdiagnosed things where like if you have a bad feeling, all of a sudden you're like clinically depressed. Right. And I'm like, maybe you're not depressed. Maybe you're just having feelings. It's the same thing with anxiety. Like we just want to blunt all of these difficult feelings. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like what ayahuasca and, and these psychedelics is it brings it out. Yes. It brings it out and it fucking throws it in your face and it makes you deal with it. Correct. Okay. Yeah. So I am much more for something like that as opposed to something that's just going to create literal zombies walking around. Like, I don't know. I couldn't, I couldn't do the numbing thing. Yeah, I can't. I couldn't. Do that. I mean, that's why I've explored these other methodologies is because I was a product of that. The pharmaceutical veteran VA How many years was that for you? That, that I was on all those drugs? Mm-hmm. Let me think about this. Math is hard. It was probably a good three-year three year journey. Mm-hmm. That's and a I just, long time. Yeah. And I just got to the point where like I would, I got, it got to the point where like I hated how I felt because I was constantly in flux from like feeling jittery mm-hmm. or like feeling doped up mm-hmm. or like feeling groggy when I woke up in the morning or waking up screaming and sweating, thinking that I was just in a firefight and like bodies all around me, like hor- horrifically vivid nightmares from certain combinations of drugs. And so I didn't like, I didn't like how it was making me feel. And I just kept, I was like, just keep at it, keep at it, keep at it, keep at it. And then I was finally like, I can't do this anymore because I feel like shit all the time. I'm like in these like extreme states all the time. And I was like, I can't, I can't do it. Did anymore. you tell your doctors that? Yeah, how I did, did they, tell them. How did they respond to you? Well, they were like, oh, well, we need to adjust your dosages. Mm-hmm. We need to tweak your jo- dosages. So then they played this game of like, we'd crank this drug down and this drug up. And it was like this balancing act of like, what's the perfect dosage to keep you on this like equilibrium? And we could just never find it. Mm. And I was like, I don't think I just, I, and it got to the point where like, I would wake up in the morning and this is what did it for me. This is what pushed me over the edge is I woke up one morning and I looked at the pills. I mm. like got opened my little pill boxes, my Monday through Sunday <laughs> pill boxes. And I, would cra- I cracked it open, cracked it open and I dumped it out on the counter and I got my little glass of water and I looked at all of these and I started dry heaving just from looking at them. Oh, wow. Yeah. Just from looking at them, I started dry heaving. And so Did I was like- Did you just quit cold turkey? Yeah. Which was horrible. Not recommended. No, no. No, no. That, that was a separate- How did that lo- go for you? Terrible. Couldn't sleep, mm-hmm. couldn't eat, didn't have an appetite. Then I'd be starving. Then I would throw up randomly. Like then um, the biggest part was just like not sleeping. Yeah. I would be like, I would sleep in 40 minute cycles where I'd like go to sleep. Then I'd wake up and I'd be like wired for two hours. Then I'd go to sleep for 40 minutes. Then I'd wake up and I'd be wired for two hours. And so like- mm. It was terrible. It was awful. And my like hormones were fucked up. Sleep was fucked up. Everything was, everything was completely fucked up. And I just refused. I was like, I would rather be dead than be taking a fistful of pills like that every morning. Like that literally is making me dry heave when I look at it. Mm. So I'm like, no, that's my body saying, fuck you. Yeah. When I'm like, when my mouth starts watering and I like start yeah. dry heaving and there was nothing to throw up in my stomach, but I was like, like had I had something in my stomach, I would have like exorcist fucking puked everywhere. But I just, I couldn't, I couldn't do it anymore. And so I stopped. Did you tell your doctors you were going to stop? No. I was just curious how they react. Like, I'm just always curious about how conventional medicine people react to like, did you tell them anything about your ayahuasca or that you've done this? Like, do you, no, no. do you have a regular doctor? Not currently. Like, you no. See? No. no. Okay. Well, no. I mean, the, the one guy, my, the guy that just stuck his finger up your ass. Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. my, he's my hormone replacement. He specializes in my horm- my HRT stuff. And okay. he, he's, yeah, he's the only guy that I have gone to see but like a regular, you know, like my general no. practitioner, like, no, I haven't had one since I left San Francisco. One thing I will say about the San Francisco VA, they did a great job compared to, and that's not saying a lot, but they, they did do a great job comparatively to all the other VAs that I've with, I, I was at, but 
the thing that got frustrating about them is like my doctor was always changing because there'd always be residents that would come in and work volunteering. Oh, it was like a clinic and they just had their, I gotcha. So I was always rotating between doctors who really never knew me as a person. They were always just looking at my chart. And like every other time I was going in, I was getting a different doctor. So I finally got to the point where I'm smart enough now where like if I go back to the VA system, which I'm probably going to do because I'm due for my like annual checkup uh, to go back into the VA in Salt Lake, I'm going to be like, I need to see the attending. Yeah. The the doctor that is there that is not going anywhere. so hard. That is in charge. someone different with stuff like that. Yeah. Because I was constantly caught in residency hell where people were rotating in and out or volunteering because it's the VA to get just time. And so... Yeah, because well, everybody has a different approach to their treatment too. So like, whereas mm-hmm. someone might want to do X, Y, or Z, like even if you do want to stay on medication, like if you're seeing someone different every time, it's so hard to get like a consistent thought process because mm-hmm. every doctor is different. And yeah, it's probably what attributed to my levels mm. never getting adjusted properly because every doctor would just come in and they would like look at my stuff and they'd be like, oh, well, let's tweak this and this. And then the next doctor I'd come in and I'd be like, oh, this was fucked up and that was fucked up. And they're like, well, I don't know who was adjusting your stuff last time, but they were wrong and yeah. this shouldn't be this and this shouldn't be this. And then they would do what they thought they needed to do. And it just was, it was a fucking Tijuana donkey fuck show. So yeah. I, was, I was like, no, I'm not doing it anymore. But now you're off, you're off all of that. Yeah, I've been off for years. Sleep like a baby now. That's awesome. Yep. Sleep like a baby now. No nightmares and feel good. Feel Ayahuasca energized. for the win. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So it's done amazing things for me. It makes me feel calm and grounded. It's got me to get my anger management mm-hmm. way more in line. So like I'll actually sit and stare at people like a Hindu cow when they're losing their shit over things that are like, I'm like, Mm-hmm. Okay. Which is why I've been accused of being a sociopath now is because like I'm, I'm pretty... They zen- just think you're so detached, but you're actually just grounded. Yeah. I'm just like centered and grounded and like super zen now. And so I don't have... There's a, a difference. ...have a super hard emotional reaction now. So yeah. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. So that's where that's where I'm at on my, my journey. But yeah, I didn't... To, to bring it back around, I didn't get much of a vacation. It was self-induced. It's my own problem. <laughs> I could have just like completely said fuck everything and unplugged, but I just don't have that in me. Yeah. And part of the reason is, is like, well, number one, I've worked too hard growing my own shop. And number, you know, num- number one, I've worked too hard growing my own shop. Number two, I just don't have it in me to just sit around and like read books and go to yoga. And then Did I'm you like, do a lot of yoga though. Yeah. 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 And then I'm like, I- I'm like, what, what am I'm like, what am I going to do? Cause it, when that, those are my days. Cause I've tried to do it. I'm like, what the fuck am I going to do for the next 10 hours today? <laughs> like I got up, I went for a run, I did some yoga. I've read a book for a couple hours. I'm like five or six chapters deep in this book that I want to read. Now, what am I going to do for the rest of my 10 hours today? And I'll like drive myself crazy. I'm like, what the fuck am I going to do? And so like, I've never been the, even when I go on like. Are you able to like sit still though? Because I feel like being able to just like be with yourself is also important. I can. Yeah. I I meditate every morning, but I'm like for like in between 10 and 20 minutes every morning. Cause that's my best time when I'm like the most relaxed. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, when I come back into my body after REM sleep, and I wake up and I stretch a little bit and I'm like fully in my body. That's the best time to like meditate for me. Mm-hmm. So that's when I usually hit, hit 10 or 20 minutes of that and then go from there. But I don't, I can't, I don't have the capacity to sit around and like relax. I just, it's not in me. So hmm. I don't know. I'm a victim of my own, my own it's makings. Own fault, yeah. Right? We all yeah. hold the keys to our own prison. So I, oh, that's so true. I am definitely, I'm definitely hard at it all the time. So so my question is, you don't think that like me approaching, like if I did go do ayahuasca, you don't think I'm in a wrong mindset for being like, is there stuff I'm repressing? Like that's not like a, 
like, are there wrong reasons to go to ayahuasca or like, I don't know. Do you? No, I would suggest if anyone's got like, has had some nasty trauma in their life, like us, like just, just totally dysfunctional childhood yeah. or you've been in a bad car accident or your significant other died violently or died from a disease mm. or, you know, you're a combat veteran or, um, any t- anything, any, anything that, you know, has caused you trauma that you feel like it has been a, a, a thing in your life that you've constantly had to combat mm-hmm. a depression, you know, maybe it's not even, maybe nothing even violent happened to you. You're just super depressed for whatever reason. And you are going to kill yourself because you're so depressed. Like go drink. I would say if you're in a state where you want to, you're, you're contemplating or planning your suicide, because I know there's people out there that do that. I've mm-hmm. done it in the past. Go, go, go drink some ayahuasca before you decide to end yourself on this plane of existence. Like go do that first. And if you need a resource, reach out to me, infoaloneelement.com or DM me. And there's been people that I've, several people that I have hit me up and taken me up on that and I've directed them already. So have they gotten back to you with their experience mm-hmm. and everybody's two thumbs up? Yeah. Yeah. Like Kelsey hasn't taken any, she's, she just showed up for second ceremony and she's still. Did n- you meet her, her at her first ceremony? I did. Yeah. Is that how you met her? Yeah. She was a fucking okay. train wreck. <laughs> Absolute fucking train wreck. I love her because she also uses the F word very, right. very, For, I, I, yeah, it's a lot. And mm-hmm. I can't think of it. I was trying to use a fancy word and it wasn't coming to me. Yeah. But I was like, oh, it's another woman who just uses the F word all the time. Thank you, God. Yeah, she doesn't care. <laughs> I know. She gives zero fucks. Yeah, she's amazing. A great human. I'm super happy. I'm super happy that I got the opportunity to meet her. She's got a great story. Contrary to fucking idiots on the internet, she is completely legit. There was this like whole character assassination thing that popped up. Aww. People were like trying to like basically defame her and, you know, completely discredit her story from Reddit. And I'm like, who the fuck even looks at Reddit? Like, I don't even, I, I like Reddit to me is like the, if we're talking. It's like of, below YouTube comments and yes, Twitter comments. <laughs> yeah. And YouTube's like toilet sewage level. It really is. Comments. Like the humans that frequent YouTube and, and post comments on there. Like I, like Joe Rogan says, just don't, don't ever read the comments. Yeah. Don't read I don't read my reviews. Like people will ask me if I like read my, like my reviews as a medical mm-hmm. provider. And I'm like, no, because what other people think of me is none of my fucking business. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I don't want any parts of it. Yeah. I, I'm at a point in my life, thank, thankfully because of the ayahuasca where I can read that and laugh about it now and not get emotionally triggered by it. Like I'll look at it. And if somebody's like, you fucking suck, you're That's dumb, awesome. this, that, and the other, I like, I laugh about it. I'm like, I don't even care. Yeah. I'm not important. Yeah. So basically I should just go do some ayahuasca. Yeah, if you think you I've strongly to. considered it. I don't something yeah. I don't know. I, I had my first acupuncture treatment at eighteen. Mm-hmm. So I've always and I see my one of my best friends is an acupuncturist here and she's phenomenal. Yeah. Um we're actually gonna like record one of my sessions because of how like intently and how accurately I can feel the response and the points that she hits. Mm-hmm. Um but I've just always had like an inclination towards that stuff and like how my body responds to like very natural things and Yeah, you should totally check it out. <sighs> It'll I be do. super beneficial. Yeah. We were talking about it the other night. Like, we should go. <laughs> but be be prepared. Be prepared for the shitstorm that happens after. Yeah. I mean, this last yeah. this last go around that I had was the best way to characterize it. And there, there's things that happened during the course of that that I can't even put into words. Like, I can't even mm-hmm. verbalize it. It was violent. Mm. It was violent. Jesus. Yeah. Like, massively violent is the best way to describe it. I'm, I'm going to go down there. I've actually, one of my good friends, I'm on my way out to uh, San Diego to go. I met another amazing human, my friend, Nick uh, Betts. He's going to be on, he's going to be on the podcast. I'm going to interview him tomorrow, but he was with me in ceremony and he's a combat vet too. Him and I had a very similar experience at ceremony and it was, it was, uh, 
we both looked at each other and I was like, the only way to sum that up was violent. He was like, yeah, absolutely. So I'm interested to, I'm interested to hear that conversation. Yeah. So we're probably going to break into it and peel it apart and talk about it a little yeah. bit in a little bit more detail, but there's things that happen to me that, and there's things that you will see and experience that you can't even verbalize. I can, I, I may be like bastardizing this, but I feel like on some level I can relate to that just on what happens when I get acupuncture treatments, mm-hmm. because I, we were just having this conversation too, where I'm like, I can't, I can't explain what I feel right? like, or what happens during that treatment to make it beneficial to me. Like I cannot mm-hmm. put it into words, but I know when I leave there and the more treatments that I have, the better responses that I get from it. And I just leave there feeling like a Zen motherfucker. Mm-hmm. And I, it's the, that and my therapist, cause I've seen my therapist now for almost two years. I've been with the same, with the same one. And it, those are like two of the most important things that I feel like I do for my health. So, yeah, that's how I feel when I leave ceremony. Mm -hmm. Like I feel so relaxed and clean and grounded. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You just, I feel like a million dollars when I come out of ceremony and that usually lasts. I mean, I still feel great right now. That that lasts, it's varied, but it's lasted as little as three weeks and lasted as long as three months. Hmm. And I usually do once it's mandatory to do it at least once a year for me. That's my own personal journey. But now I'm like, I'm going to do it biannually. So I'm going to do it like beginning of the year. Every six months. Yeah. Yeah. Do it once every six months. My my interest is totally peaked and I've felt that way for a long time. And I think like something just keeps calling me back, like keeps like just drawing it in. Like maybe you should do this. Well, that's how it was for me when I first heard about it and I started researching and I researched it for like two years before I even did it. Really? Yeah. And then I had the opportunity to go and finally got invited and I was like, yep all in. And I, Is there anything in there that can pop on a drug test? No. So it's totally like, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. yeah I have that question. I'm sure other people do too. We've so had active curious. duty military people show up for it. Really? Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah. People that are still in because it doesn't, it doesn't, it won't show up. Hmm. Like doesn't show up in hair, doesn't show up in piss, doesn't show up in blood. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I'm sold. Yeah. Let's just go do it. I'll yeah. have to get recommendations from you. Yeah. And so then like for the people out there that like are, you know, curious or whatever, or the people that are out there that are judgmental and like buying the stereotype, like it's not a recreational thing and it's not a bunch of people that are out there to like get high to escape from reality. Like a lot of people use drugs for, you know, when they abuse drugs, whether it's yes. alcohol or whether it's, you know, Xanax or anything what. can be a drug. Yeah. Anything that they use, anything that you use to, you know, abuse on a regular basis to escape reality for recreation or to have fun. Like it's not that Mm-mm. it's sometimes excruciating. When you're yeah. laying there puking your guts out and... I hate vomiting. Well, it's in the dark, so nobody can see. I just hate vomiting in general. Yeah. I don't puke. I'm not a puker. I'm not either. Yeah. Did, do you puke though? No. I've been waiting for it. Really? I've, I've been welcoming it because everybody that huh. purges like that, we call it purging, like says yeah. that you, it takes it to a different level and you feel absolutely amazing. And so like every time I go in, I'm like, hopeful I'm going to puke. I'm like, come yeah. on. Okay, this time. <laughs> this time, let's do it. Okay. Come on, let's do it. All right. How, all right. And... So are you a puker in real life? Like, does it take a lot for you to vomit? Oh, it takes a lot. Yeah, yeah. Same. Yeah. Yeah. The quickest way to get me to puke is if I smell and see other people puking. Yeah. I, I can't do that. But like, I can see blood. I can see shit. Mm-hmm. I'm good with like blood and shit and like guts Same. and horrifically terrible things, but I'm not. Don't uh, give me the vomit. Yeah. Puke sometimes, like puke, people puking, mainly the smell of it will get me to go right I can like right smell there. it as you're talking about it. <laughs> yeah. You're getting goosebumps. Stop from... it. No, I can't. Uh, people are like dry heaving right now. They're pushing, they're pushing the stop button on the, on the podcast. Cause they're I know, trying, right? 
Maybe they push yeah. the stop button at period blood, though. I hope not, because that was a good that was a good ex- education. Good rant. Yeah, that no, was a quick was rant good. too. It's good. All right. So, are you ready to close out, or do you have anything that you want to else you want to stab into? Oh, no. how long have we been sitting here? Two. I'm, I'm starting to kind of have to pee, so that's usually my. That's your cue. That's usually my cue for like we've done a good job. Yeah. No, mm-hmm. this was great. We covered a wide, wide, Did we? yeah, wide swath of, of things. <laughs> Plus, it was entertaining. I feel like people will be stoked on this. So, I feel like I'm an entertaining human. You are. So I I second that. Yes. Where okay, Stay so what prepared. um where can people find you? Oh, find me on the Instagram. Do you um, want people to find you yeah, on Yeah, find me. Come come challenge me. Yeah, come, come talk to me. Talk I, all the shit. I am very much like you where You're I You're gonna get doctors gonna be like, Hey you fucking dumbass. This is the fucking fine. As long as that's fine. I, I welcome all conversation as long as it's constructive. The minute that you're a dickhead, like I don't want to engage with that. So yeah, well, there's a you can see it in communicating with humans when the scale tips and it it goes into a disrespectful and unproductive uh, and completely unproductive mode. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, fair. I'm a professional at seeing where that line is. And so I say the same thing. We can have a discussion. It can even be a little bit heated. Yeah, discussion. But the second I see that that goes into a disrespectful, I'm out area. Then you'll get a warning, and then if you proceed or you keep if you keep at it after your warning, then fucking delete block. Yeah, see you later. Yeah, peace out. And because I don't have time for fucking assholes that just want to be assholes for the sake of being assholes. So yeah, so yeah, you can find me on Instagram. My handle's at Danielle.Kepix. My last name's spelled K-E-P-I-C-S. People have a hard time with that one, and. I have a podcast. You can listen to that. It's called Strong and Unfiltered. And the tagline is live the life you've imagined. So, I love that. Yeah. I love that. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for hosting yes. and sitting down to do this. I'm so glad we finally got a chance. I was to, super stoked. Yeah. I'm so glad we got a, finally got a chance to do this because I've listened to some of your other podcasts. Uh-huh. And then the fact that we've like been Instagram buddies for so long, I was like, and I know I knew of some of your background. I was yeah. like, this is going to be a perfect person to bring on to talk about this. So Stir it up. Yeah, and then we'll we'll talk to your better half about his yeah. entrepreneurial endeavors on the next podcast. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Yeah, I enjoyed absolutely. It. Have a good one. Later. <laughs> <laughs>